Hello everybody, welcome to the Tuesday show. My name is James Chen, and I am joined once again in person, live and in action with, by Mr. Ultra David and Mr. Tubaware. How's everyone going? Yeah, I'm doing great. I drove out here to Santa Monica, California. It took me about 45 minutes. I was caught in traffic. You know, normal Los Angeles stuff. <laughs> And yeah, anyway, well. uh, I'm here. Yeah, I, I flew out like I do every week. Uh, nothing dangerous about getting on an airplane right now, of course. We already know that. So I am I'm happy to right be on, and here I am. I'm thrilled to be in the same room as both of you. You know, you make jokes, but I've definitely had friends that don't normally watch this type of stuff tune in and ask me, are you there? And I just laugh at them. <laughs> like, yeah, Dude, I'm there. That's crazy. I'm totally there. There was For sure. I saw someone like like a really really old clip, like uh, like maybe a year like no actually not a year ago but earlier this year clip of us doing the Tuesday show, and part of me really honestly thought you were here, David. <laughs> like, it's it's actually a pretty convincing uh, illusion I'm too here. Too far, I, I pushed into space, just like Rain, who we'll talk about soon. Yeah, that's All right. right. Uh, oh, oops, so I went the wrong way. Do it again, David. Got him, everybody. Oh, Here's okay. what we're going to discuss today over here on the appropriate side that I'm putting my hand towards. We're going to be talking about Guilty Gear and Netcode related to that in a couple of different ways, although this is the biggest one. Uh, we're going to talk about UMK11 and Rain, and there's some associated changes to talk about. We're going to talk about Twitch going wild in a not exactly not positive what you way. Think, yeah. <laughs> not always a great adjective wild uh we're gonna have some five five matchups including uh dragon ball fighters a tournament that was uh, pulled out of by chris g we're gonna talk about skill-based matchmaking again although with a different eye towards the question we're gonna talk about uh fighting games and uh whether there's too too complicated or not maybe we'll see to get into online play uh, we have a couple of viewer questions of course there's some other game news there's some tournament results to discuss and some upcoming stuff as well that we've kind of fit into the end there. But let's begin by talking about Guilty Gear and its netcode. Uh, before we get started, just really quick, I remember last week people were saying that David and Tubo were really, really quiet. Uh, I had a similar experience on a previous stream. I've done some tweaks now. Let me know how the volume is. Let me know what the, how the, everyone's volumes are. And if they are pretty balanced right now, and if that's the case, I think I might have fixed that problem. So uh, just let me know in the chat how yeah. the volume is. Let us know about James tweaking us. Yes. James James tweaks us all the time, guys. Yeah, I do, I do. And I, you wow. know what? What are you reaching right now, James? Right into Tubo? He's tweaking me. I, I, right, I, now. Tweak right now. Yeah. I tweak him and I plug him all the time too, right? So... True. Plugging That's Tubo true. is definitely one of my favorite pastimes right now. So, uh, where are the closed captions at, James? Are they broken? No, they're on there. I, I'm watching them. But just to let people know that while we were streaming before the mics went hot. We did have the CC going, and that's just how it works. Uh, so you know, we whatever, were aware. not a big deal. We we were aware. We only yeah. we made sure we stopped talking about all of the illegal stuff before we turned on the closed captions. If you guys want the hot Ultra Chen info, just turn on those closed captions before we go live. You're gonna get a whole lot of fart jokes and talking about what we're eating before we go live. <laughs> Absolutely right. 
and talking about how I can try to get weed legally here in California. So that's true. You, you don't need to try. It. You can just go down to the corner store <laughs> See, and do yeah. it. <laughs> See, if you bring your ID, it's not going to be too hard, man. Yeah, it's kind of easy. All right, let's get going on this one over here. The big news is that Guilty Gear XX Accent Core Plus R will get rollback netcode on Steam, on the Steam version specifically. Uh, this was an announcement that Arxis put out uh, just a few days ago. They're going to have a public beta test starting on October 29th, which is in a week and a half. They're going to have more details at that point, or later on at least. But we do know as well that they're going to have lobbies and spectating, which was ported from the Switch version. And also that reload and slash stages will be a part of it as well. This is a fan-made project, the netcode part of a fan-made project that Arxis picked up. Uh, so this is not something that Arxis has started internally, but that they've sort of brought in, which is very interesting. Uh, so that's the news as far as Plus R goes. What do you all think? Well, I mean, first of all, there's a couple of things to talk about this. Somebody asked me why it's always these older games that keep getting this rollback netcode retrofitted in there. Uh, I talked about what I responded with my understanding of it. I linked in Keats, and he, yeah, he basically kind of confirmed and explained it better, as he does. Uh, it's because these games are smaller games, they're easier games, and so save states and calculating what the game is doing from the save state if it rolls back seven frames, you know, being able to load that save state and then play the game for seven frames in the span of one frame and then snap the game into the correct state is obviously a lot easier. He said that, you know, with Killer Instinct, whenever he had to snap 15 frames, I mean, that's a lot of processing power that you right. have to put in there to do that. So it's easier for the older games to snap things in back and forth like that. But the bigger point about this is how about Arxis, dude? Like how many companies have you seen people like when people do this, there comes the cease and desist. I, absolutely. Yeah. No, this was a surprise to me for sure. Uh, there have been many cases of maybe not this specifically of like, We've improved your netcode. Like, I haven't seen that, really, but uh, get get seen, indeed. But, yeah, typically when we see people try to work on older games or even sometimes current games or whatever, maybe with mods and the like, yeah, we've certainly more than a few times seen season desists from those companies. There are exceptions, though. Sure. Definitely. Like, for example, Team Sonic. Usually when they see something really dope happening, they're just like, hey, you guys want to partner with us and actually do this well that's because so... team sonic can't make a good sonic game anymore but <sighs> there with the team sonic sponsorship james Dan. i know <laughs> Tubo's, Tubo's been working on this for days i mean i mean i mean hey how about the sonic movie being the number one box office movie of the year <laughs> Good job, Sonic! Yo, Let's go! That movie was way better than I thought it would have what it was gonna be. But anyways, um yeah, I think it's really dope that Arx is, is doing that. Yeah. Um I am jaded though, because I remember when a little company called SNK was like, Hey, you guys notice that there's delay in our game and we're gonna fly you out from France to oh, come show us how to Jesus. fix it and and I thought for sure that SNK really cared about us. Really, really wanted to see Samurai Shutout succeed, and then they said, "Here's a bunch of characters, and we're not going to fix anything else." Every NK, bye. 
So it's really cool that Arxis is doing this, but my experience in fighting games is just expect the lowest amount of effort possible and hope for the best. Yeah. Well, it's not like they're the ones putting in the effort. I guess I don't know what it's like now. Maybe they've brought these people into the fold in some way. I don't know what the arrangement is. But the folks in the like fan-made project of this ha are the ones who have been putting right, in the yeah. work. So yeah, that's, that's maybe, you don't, maybe you don't need to expect that like Arxis itself will be doing stuff. Even though, of course it is, also putting in rollback into Strive, their new game. Yeah. Yeah, I they're, mean, look, they're putting in work, man. Honestly, look, I mean, here's the thing, right? It's just the guys who were doing this as a fan project have confirmed that they're getting paid now. <laughs> yeah, are they? Yeah, no. I mean, oh, that's great. Okay. That's actually super cool. I mean, I just like I'm so happy about that. I mean, it's just you know the fans really are putting in so much of the work, you know, and that's why you see in a lot of the American dev studios that are making these fighting games, how much kind of love and care goes into a lot of these fighting games because they really are just the fans. And, you know, Arxis right. kind of almost rewarding them for because they would have finished this project, whether they were paid or not, without yeah. access to the actual code base. Now they have access to the actual code base and they're getting paid for it. I mean, like I said, I'm just so happy with... Arxis making this decision with, uh, you know, uh, Code Mystics just tweeted out a couple of like teasers on certain games and things like that. And it's just, it feels like, you know, like I said, if there is a silver lining to this stupid pandemic and, and everything that's going on is that the emphasis on we need to have good online. And we'll talk a lot more about this later on today. Uh, you know, uh, it's, I'm just so happy to see so many of these companies really kind of stepping up and, you know, sure. other companies, and yeah, hopefully cool. forcing other companies to step up even more as well, or to step up at all, right? So Right. Yeah, I think that's the thing, is if they step up at all, not, <laughs> not maybe they will, so it's just at all, because a lot of them just have not given yeah. us playable netcode ever. These companies are not monoliths, right? So they're made up of humans. And I'm people in the chat are talking about how FGC members are the people who got this, the ball rolling on this. Is that right? I mean, you would imagine that I, yeah, I they would, I would like, certainly believe, yeah, that they course. like the game, right? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't add netcode to a game that I don't like. <laughs> Sorry. I, mean, I mean, like people within Arc are the who are FGC folks oh, are the ones who made this choice. That's, that's what I'm getting. At. That's cool. I, I have no idea then. That's cool. Either uh, way. I, I'm sorry. I just noticed that Zynak is actually in the chat right now. Yeah, right, right. Oh, what's up, Chase? Yeah, so, you know, I, I don't know if we all want to just be like, hey, Zynak, by the way, you know, all this <laughs> well, kind Zynac of Zynak says that uh, it wasn't him, actually. But, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I mean, regardless, I mean, hopefully, you know, he's putting up those post-it notes out everywhere that say rollback on them in the offices, you know, and people just walk by it and just see it <laughs> people are saying it with sheeny aka zach I, i'm you know okay oh sure oh yeah let's see there's a little link in here oh how cool okay yeah i mean that is the implication of this tweet interesting well anyway rad i mean regardless of how it happened i'm really happy about it and i feel like it's another example of how great it is when 
actual FGC folks are involved in fighting game yep. production. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like you get a lot of the best, most loved stuff, or the stuff that takes love, I should say, when right. people like that are involved. Yeah. Good work. Super cool. Uh, by the way, Keats in the chat is giving us tremendous examples. I mean, just a lot of written text in there. <laughs> if anybody is uh, also reading yeah, that. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, talking about that, because, uh, you know, uh, uh, he's obviously, like I said, that's why I tag him in all those tweets that I put out now, because I'm just like, you know what? I need someone to make sure that uh, somebody who's done this before can describe this yeah. <laughs> better than I yeah. can. Yeah. For sure. Anyway, very interesting. Uh, I think this is great. Do you think that it'll have much of an impact on the scene for the game? I mean, people are playing it right now on Steam. It's not out yet. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. People are picking up the game because they're just getting ready for it. I saw, I think it was Kugi who was like, I don't care if it's delay-based right now. I'm having fun just playing this again, you know, and getting ready for this. So, So I wish I saved it, but I saw an interesting tweet that put out numbers of the KOF patch, the the, the limited tests they had on their rollback. And they showed the numbers before it was announced and what the player base was and after, yeah. um, you know, after the, the test had ended. And the player base had, like, doubled. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it'll matter. <laughs> I think almost, it'll matter a lot. For almost um, every game, the player base doubled, which meant Fexel went from five players to ten players, I think it was. So. That's sick, though, if you're a Fexel player, right? <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> like, being serious? That's going to blow up. I make that kind of a joke. I mean, it sounds like I'm blowing that's it up, but that was literally the numbers. That was wow, yeah. the picture. Dude, that's... I, I would look at us as that's a that's a gain, right? Like, my, yeah, my course, friends have doubled. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Of course, yeah. No, no, that, yeah that definitely doesn't get the, uh, enough love. That's for sure. Uh, by the way, Runaway Ducky, uh, actually, we were thinking about asking you to come on and do an interview with us. So, Is he maybe. in the chat? Is he in the chat yeah. right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, we're cool, cool, we're going to cool. contact you. Get an old so. conversation going there, maybe rather than just uh, texts back and forth in the chat. Yeah, but, I know, mean, as little, opposed to... Yeah. We, we had had a guest lined up for today, ended up not being able to work out. That was kind of last minute, so we didn't want to bother you about this. At some point in the future? Absolutely. And yes, definitely. Make sure that it's cool that you do so with all the people <laughs> Man, who are writing text to you. I was actually going to mention this earlier. Now that you're actually working for Arxis, uh, I was worried about contacting you about an interview because you might be NDA to not be able to actually right. say anything of interest. So <laughs> I would hate to bring someone on and they just go, I can't say anything for 30 minutes. So how was the process of putting rollback into Guilty Gear? We're putting rollback into Guilty Gear. (laughs) Yeah, uh, redacted, 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 redacted. Was it difficult when they contacted you? Like, how how excited were you? We're putting rollback into Guilty Gear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, I I think it's great. I'm really happy for the scene. You know, it's not going to make the game be the number one most played fighting game, but I don't think that's anybody's expectation. Yeah, I think that that's no, totally fine. Yeah, I mean, I've but I mean, the, again, all my favorite games are games that have that didn't even have netcode, I guess, right? They were only arcade release. And when we first got them available to play online in a way that was like actually good, yeah, it was huge, absolutely huge. So I'm I'm excited for everybody who's in that boat. Yeah, honestly, like I know I keep putting out this pipe dream and I'm setting up terrible expectations, but. I mean, between Strive and this and, you know, Arxis doing a lot of cool things like this, 
you know, them gaining the experience of ripping out old netcode and putting in new netcode. Like, I mean, obviously doing that for Strive would be kind of pointless because, I mean, not Strive, uh, uh, Exerd, because Strive is coming out. So there's probably no point. But still, could you imagine if they just went back and did it to Strive just because? Like, that would be amazing. Oh, man. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, all right. Anything else to say about the plus R stuff? Uh, nope. No. Okay. Well, it wasn't the only news related to online when it comes to Guilty Gear. Oh, yeah? Uh, there was... Yeah. Strive uh, also, as we know, will have rollback. But there will be some quite different ranking system. It's not going to be the same sort of points-based ranking system that, like, every fighting game has had since that whole... I don't know, since don't online really... play was possible in fighting games, I feel like, for 30 years? What, whatever it is. Um, it is, I guess, going to be different in some ways, so it might be that that floor system that they had in the beta right. is going to be used instead, and I, you know, I don't know if there's any details on that. I haven't seen specific details on how that's actually going to work in the final product, but in any case, yeah, it's not going to be quite the same. Good. <laughs> is that, is I that good? I, I, actually, I hate it. I, okay. I hate right. it. I hate it. I don't like that I'm not going to be able to play my scrub friends on floor one when I'm up on whatever the... Obviously, I'm be on the highest level. So when I'm up on floor 99 and my scrub friends are down on level one, how am I supposed to play them? Well, okay. So that was a lot of the feedback I gave them in my uh, feedback notes. Obviously, I'm not saying they're listening to my feedback in particular, but I, I'm hoping that they're getting a lot of that in there because I had talked about the ability to do stuff like that. But, you know, if they can maintain a lot of what is allowed, like being able to play your scrub friends and or yeah. even challenging people on another floor. Yeah, my know, understanding is that you can go to other floors. Right. Yeah. I, I hope so. I mean, it would be real dumb if I wasn't able to play with my friends and yeah. there wasn't a lobby system and all that. Like, that would be real disappointing. But... I'm assuming at this point there has to be lobbies. It's 2020. Come on. So I'm not too worried about it, but I, I just the floor thing seems silly to me. Well, it's it's but ultimately it's whatever. The hardest part yeah. is that the beta sucked really badly. Yeah, yeah and yeah, so there's did. very very <laughs> like there's a hundred percent justification to be like this is going to suck. I'm hoping that they do better with it because they've been so good about listening to feedback and stuff. Again, I'm super optimistic about it just because I want Strive to be so good because, you know, me and Guilty Gear and everything. And I have a tremendous bias for Guilty Gear. Uh, and plus, I mean, I've talked about how Ranked is literally the most miserable experience that one can endure in video games practically. So if they can find a way to make it more fun, more power to them. Yeah, we've talked in the past about their intentions to make it so that they don't have online modes that split the player base. So this may be part of that, right? Right. Sure. Yeah, we'll see how it all turns out. All right, okay. enough about gear, I suppose. Yep. At least for now, let's move on to the next one, which is about Mortal Kombat 11. UMK 11. Ultimate Mortal Kombat 11. Well, Mortal Excuse Kombat 11. Mortal Ultimate. Kombat 11 Ultimate. I'll never say that in my Mortal life. Kombat 11? UMK 11. Yeah. <laughs> That's a clear oversight. Uh, so they announced Rain as well as Rambo and Melina like a little while ago now. <laughs> Continue, please. <laughs> you got it. 
<laughs> and uh, today they had a combat cast that showed off Rain and some of what Rain can do, including some of the variations. And he seems like a pretty flashy sort of character. He's pretty combo heavy. He's got a lot of launchers. He's got a lot of ways to uh, get combo roots. And it seems like there can be quite a bit of variations in terms of how you... Not just that you launch and that you do always do the same combo, but that you can launch in like different directions and you can end up in different sides of the opponent and use different tools while you're juggling. Um, so there may be... You know, one of the common complaints that some people have about MK11 is that a lot of the characters don't have, like, really complex combo routes. And, um, I mean, that, that's certainly true in some cases, but I feel like Fujin is a character that has more interesting routes, if that's something you're into, and it seems like this character could be one of those as well. Uh, he's got some real, like, evasive stuff on the ground, the ability to, like, swing way back and then attack really far forward. Uh, in one variation, in another variation, he has... Like a real fast strike through. He's that also in the air is like basically uh, the Baz's dive kick. <laughs> from, from All right. <laughs> you like, sure. you like dive down. Um, and there's also a horizontal version of that. Uh, he has a restand in one variation. He looks like he has pretty good projectiles. He has two crushing blow throws. So I'm excited already. And uh, he has a Modoc barrier that you can put out that will beat projectiles so you can like do stuff behind it. He just seems like he has a lot of stuff going on. I mean, many of the characters in MK11 are sort of designed that way. Most of them are not designed, like, real real heavily to one side of, like, I only zone, or I am only a command right, grab character, right. or whatever. Like, most of them have, like, both a projectile and a command grab, or whatever mix-up that they have. They always, um, they always seem around. like they try to make the variations so that it's not, like, slight changes to the same strategy. <laughs> So he, he seems he seems cool to me. The animations are all cool looking. Uh, he's got some he's like one of his uh, buttons is I think is standing low into whatever the follow up button is on the chain has him basically surf on a wave <laughs> as he's like attacking you, which is pretty cool looking. Uh, he has a dodge like S group dodge, but when he does it, he turns into water, and then if the opponent tosses something at him or tries to hit him, it goes through. But it also like hits the water. And like makes kind of like a splash, oh, cool. and like you can hear the sound of what. I, yeah, I think it's it's really cool looking to me. Uh, so I like it. As Brock knows, it's a game that we both think has very strong animations at this point. So remember in Injustice when Aquaman, his special power was I fall out of your combos. Yes. Does does Rain have any of that? No. Thank I God. Mean, I... That was the stupidest mechanic, probably ever in any fighting game. Period. <laughs> Uh, you know, Injustice One was one of those games where they tried a lot of stuff, and I, some I, of them it worked. Like in the end, <laughs> it's it, a little wild. I mean, in the end, yeah, it turned out to be really annoying. I like that they tried it. I like that they tried it. I, you know, it's true that Tetron has that. Although that, that requires <sighs> that requires a random spin of the old dice, so it's not. <laughs> she has a special move where she can get one of four things that like come oh, out. Okay. It costs a lot that's, of meter, and also it's just you know you don't know which one you're gonna get. That's a little less stupid, a little less, but Dude, yeah. Anyway, I so I mean, did you want to say anything more about rain? Because I just want to address. I saw your tweet earlier that they're making it so that delayed wake up has one timing now. Yeah. That's, that's exactly huge, I think. That is, that is huge, yeah. Stephanie on the combat cast said that that's happening. And then, in addition, 
they didn't talk about it, but you could see that throws were doing 130 damage instead of 140, okay. and that a crushing blow throw did 300 instead of 310. Okay. So they're like slightly nerfing throws, I guess. But yeah, this uh, the idea of having only one delayed wake up timing uh, now, is is something that I I haven't seen many people explicitly ask for, but I think it's intended to get at the common complaint of. You can't meaty. That, exactly. Because there are so many different wake-up timings that you could do. And um, Man, also some people don't understand that you're actually invincible until you get up, like in almost every fighting game ever made. You NRF players are wild. But <laughs> not in MKX or MK9, like the two examples of other games that didn't, weren't like that. Um, anyway, so now you should be able to do more meaties if, you're, if you haven't been comfortable chiming strings and the like. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you have... There's a lot of characters who would like to have been doing meaty strings who players have been real hesitant to because, like, what if the opponent does a delayed wake-up timing time just so that, like, the first hit whiffs, but then they can get up and do a button before the second right. hit comes out of the string? And so now maybe those characters can use their strings a little bit more. So it's probably open up offense a little bit. It, I mean, obviously, like, I, I'm not a Mortal Kombat player, right? But to me, it just sounds like that makes that play very, very, very strong all of a sudden. It will definitely make it stronger. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Sure, you guys, you guys have fun with that. I mean, here's the. Thing. I mean, I, I like how it's been. I really like the idea of all this of the different timings, but yeah, yeah so, so do I. I. I think that's way cooler, more interesting. So, whatever, yeah, have fun, Mortal Kombat players. I mean, like here's it. the thing. Here's the thing, right? I mean, like Mortal Kombat has enough wake up options, you know, with like the parry and stuff like that. I think that are kind of interesting. I really do hope they make it easier to 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 combo break and roll when you get up. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Have they fixed that? Oh, you know how some... timing, the timing on rolls is the same. Yeah, you just got to get the right timing. You can't be mashing it for whatever reason. Yeah. I, I don't know why it's like that. Hopefully, hopefully, Wait. yeah. But, I mean, it'll be really... I think it's... Yeah, it definitely makes the set play a lot stronger, and I think that's kind of interesting. But, you know, honestly, like, the kind of... You're supposed to be rewarded when you knock someone down. I don't know. I mean, obviously, you can make fighting games where that's not the case. I mean, sure, there's a lot of games where there aren't a lot of rewards for. No there can be games where you're not that reward for knocking somebody down, but you know, because Mortal Kombat is so much more footsies based and it's not as vortexy as it was before, I feel like yeah. it kind of fits with the theme of the way the game is played. So, yeah, there's yeah, not a lot I mean, of characters that have like really threatening overhead low. Yeah. There's just a couple, and one side's one side of that is always unsafe. So you know, I, I mean, yeah, throws, throw loops will probably be better, which may be why they nerf the damage on throws. And you know, yeah, I'm, I think pressure will be better, but I'm not really opposed to it. And while I like the delayed wake up timings, I, I you know I get why other people thought that that was too much. I don't know. I, I guess I don't really have a, a strong position on it. Okay. Sure. You it's mean, cool. you mean uh, you're going to adapt to what they changed in the game, huh? This is the FGC we're talking about. Like, <laughs> are we allowed to do that? <laughs> yeah, what genius said that in the chat? No way. No way. <laughs> Nobody's going to adapt. Everybody's going to complain. Uh, yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to say about this was that in the Rain versus Kotal intro speech, Kotal says... I need neither Reptile nor Ermac to kill you. And Rain says, without them, you are finished. Guys, is this saying that the game is finished without Reptile and Ermac? 
Uh, no, has, is, this, is this a secret message that Repton Ermac will not be in the game? No, I, I I feel like if anything, it's a message that when those two characters come out, the game is finished. They're done. But without that's, them, you are finished. Yeah, yeah, but but obviously he's, you know, he they're they they got to be there then, right? Because he's not finished. Kotalkan is very alive and well. So my question is: Is that confirmation that they're dead, though? I mean, you can definitely see Ermac's body. Like he's in the he's in the pit and in, in the crypt. Oh, he's okay. Definitely. <laughs> so is Molina, though. I mean, whatever. no, it's for Mortal sure. Kombat. Yeah, you can come back to life. It's Mortal Kombat. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, that's it. I guess. Yeah, I'm I, I'm excited for him. He's not the character that I myself am going to be using, but I do think he looks really cool and. Like with like with Fujin, like I was excited to see what people were doing with that character, and I think he's really fun to watch, even if it's not who I want to use. So I'm I'm more excited about Rain now than I was before when I was just calling him like Purple Ninja. You know, I didn't care about him at all. Now he's, now I think he looks pretty cool. He's got more of a personality as they all tend to do in this game. I mean, Ermac can definitely still come back, even being uber dead. His name is based off of the phrase "error machine," so you know he can do whatever the hell he wants. I think. <laughs> uh, Go to old Air Mac. Air Mac. In the old games, they all call right. them Air Mac. Uh, all right. Yeah, I guess that's it. Oh no, they have a new online onboarding process to help people understand the online experience. So when you sign on and play online for the first time, including you know anybody who has played previously, first time you play an ultimate, um, they're gonna have a new thing where you have to play against the AI three times to like show you the ropes of playing online. I think they're hoping is going to welcome more people into playing online. I don't know what the percentage of people who play ranked is, but um, from talking with other people about like other games in the past, the percentage of players who actually play on ranked consistently or whatever online mode is like pretty low. Uh, so I, I wonder if that's why they're doing this. Yeah. Uh, and we'll yeah, see. shout out to the chat. You're right. It was Air Macro, not Air Machine. It was Air Macro. What'd you say, Machine? Yeah, it was yeah, Air yeah, Macro. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Either way, we're past time, and I'm tired of talking about Mortal Kombat. What's next? Rambo's more than just guns. Also, knives, bows, and arrows, and traps, according to Stephanie. So, take that, uh, Tubbo-ware. Tubbo Rambo wear. sucks and doesn't belong. He makes no sense. I all will right, never give right. that up. Why, why will do never you think has... Why do you think... Oh, my God. AOC has 300,000 views on her chat. I mean, hey, no, her, nothing man. else is happening on Twitch right now that you should go watch. No. No. Now, let's talk about uh, Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Twitch. Exactly, sure. So Twitch has made the decision to delete VODs that have received copyright takedown requests. And they didn't tell people that this was going to be happening. People just got the notice that, hey... We deleted a bunch of stuff. And they, they didn't even say, like, here's what we deleted from your channel. They just said, hey, we deleted things. And so they're not... People don't know why. What, what did I do that was infringing, right? What song did I right. play or whatever it was? There's not, there's not even that level of information about it. It's just a broad sure. message. Hey, we deleted stuff. Um, so, I, I mean, that's... I guess what I should do here is maybe talk about what the law is briefly. Uh, so well, the before digital... You, before okay. you start yeah. on that, if people are in AOC's stream right now, definitely tell her to contact us and we will be more than happy to accommodate her on the Tuesday show next week. We would love oh, to. Guys, 
Um, you want to do an interview? Had ALC, if I had AOC's contact to get her on this stream, do you honestly think I'd be using my connect with AOC to get her on this stream? Yes. Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yes. Obviously, that's what I would do. <laughs> what a great use of your clout that would be. Yeah, it really would. That would be OD. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I've had a bunch of my VODs uh, struck because, you know, it's just the ones where I sing on them because the problem is my singing is so accurate. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. Oh, yeah. oh okay. I, was, I mean, I was prepared to believe it. <laughs> I, uh, before you get into, like, the legal stuff, David, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. do want to say that with that notice, with that email they've sent people that have gotten DMCA'd, it literally says in the email, hey, we're not going to tell you what else is, might get struck. So if you feel like you have something that might get struck, you should probably just go ahead and delete it. And we'll give you till Friday to do that. So have fun going through your whole yeah. archives, basically. So it, it yeah, it's it's real, real bad because they're they're like threatening people to take them to court. Essentially, if they don't delete this stuff, and they're not telling people what's going to get struck. So people are literally wiping out their entire Twitch archive right now. They're going to have a Creator Camp live learning session on Wednesday, October twenty first, tomorrow. They give you a day's notice for this. Uh, where we'll provide an overview of our music guidelines and discuss recent product updates that make it easier to protect your channel, yada yada. Yeah, that's not much. In fact, no. that's not anything. Uh, what's their music guidelines? I mean, that you know, they're not going to be like very precise. That's the nature of this stuff. They're even if they're people involved in whatever the music stuff is, even if they wanted to be to be precise, I bet. The lawyers don't want them to be. The lawyers would rather than be vague because you take less liability on yourself if you're vague, if your statements are as broad as possible, than if you just get real narrow about which ones you can and can't play. Uh, so that sucks. Yeah, this whole situation is really crappy. What's supposed mm -hmm. to happen under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act Section 512 Safe Harbors is that if you, if a user puts some infringing material onto a provider's site uh and then whoever owns the rights to that alerts the provider that hey this user has uploaded something infringing what's supposed to happen is that the provider is supposed to give a notice to the user and then the user is supposed to be like oh my bad i'll take it down or alternatively actually i own the rights to this this is cool i'm not infringing anything after all and then the provider is supposed to be like, oh, okay, well, is this infringing? Are you pretty sure about it? Person who's told me that it's infringing? And if that person's like, definitely, it's infringing, then they'll take it down. And then what the recourse is for the user is to take that party to court. So that's like the ultimate, that's the process. Um, and it just never, it doesn't work like that, it, even for <laughs> other sites. Uh, so like, for example, on YouTube, uh, what happens all the time is that there is a notice that you have infringed something and that just gets taken down, but not in as obvious a way. It gets muted or you can't make ad money on it or whatever, right? It's there. That is what's happening regardless. So you have to challenge it. And then, yeah, I mean, if the if if Sony Music or whatever is like, we own the rights, then YouTube's not going to back down from that. YouTube's going to let you as the user fight it out, right? So... Um, it's a system that is very much built to be in the favor of the rights holders. That's the whole point of it. Uh, it was a way to, like, basically... It was a compromise so that 
uh, rights holders wouldn't get even worse stuff. Shout outs to everybody involved. And but yeah, I mean, this, this has been bad always. But what Twitch did here in particular was pretty janky because they didn't even give that process. The, the procedure that's supposed to happen of notice and takedown didn't even happen. It was not notice because notice has to be beforehand. It was after the fact. And then it wasn't, there was no possibility of response. It was just your VODs deleted. <laughs> uh, and it's not supposed to work like that. So I've already seen some tweets from, for example, a band who plays their own music on Twitch <laughs> and their VODs got deleted. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I'm um, sorry, man. It's just funny. No, that, it like, is. It's so that low level of effort is put in. Like, it just shows how much they don't give a shit. Just basically buy whatever company owns the rights to their music, basically. Exactly. Yeah, deleted yeah, yeah. the VODs of them playing their music. Oh, God. <laughs> if you're Twitch, you are trying to avoid getting sued because. Your entire product is copyright infringement. That's the whole game plan of Twitch yeah, for the yeah. past 10 years is we're going to let everybody infringe rights constantly by playing video games on stream and music on stream and whatever else. And we're just going to hope that we're not going to get sued. Maybe that'll yep. work out. And it did pretty much, pretty much did. And yeah. so they're, they're trying to avoid now that they're one of the biggest things in entertainment, especially for people in our age demographic and younger, they are trying to avoid further lawsuits or really major lawsuits to start with and one way they're doing that is to be as acquiescent as possible to rights holders they're not trying to challenge any rights holders they're just trying to be like all right rights holder you want to do the thing what hey i'll do it i'll don't don't sue don't <laughs> so, sue us don't shut us down please i mean that's that's what if i were their lawyer i would say something like that too i mean i would have had very different advice as to whether they should be infringing all these rights since day one but you know i mean that's you know that's that's where they are if and only... so yeah I, it makes legal sense to me that they would be very broad but as far as this just mass deletion of things i don't know if it's okay or not legally speaking i'll be perfectly frank i don't know and i talk with some other lawyers too and they also don't know because twitch has in their terms of service, the ability to just shut down anybody's channel or content whenever they want. Right. They just have a very broad license to do that. Yeah. And so they can do that, right? That's what they did. Does the fact that the notice and takedown provision in Section 512 mandate this back and forth procedure, like overcome that ability to delete whatever VODs you want? I don't know. And I'm not aware of any court case that like directly speaks to that. So I don't have like a great this is definitely what the law is situation here. I don't know. It's, we're all making it up, basically. So, anyway, we'll see. Look, Nobody it's, knows that. It's, it would, it would be actually really cool if the company that owned Twitch, like, was run by somebody with a bazillion dollars and had access to the entire like Amazon Music library and could, you know, just say, hey, it's all good and everything, you know. You know, and the thing is, James, they probably will do that eventually for people that are like prime subscribers <laughs> kind of like how they do with the movies yeah you can watch all our movies on twitch and you can share with your bros as long as they're also prime subscribers don't be shocked if that happens with music here soon like i i could totally see them doing that dude they'll, they'll probably make it so that like if you br have ten thousand subscribers and bring in you know a minimum of a hundred thousand views average on each stream you're allowed to stream any music <laughs> you want you know yeah, it's weird. It's... It definitely sucks. Yeah, it's just an algorithm, right, that they use to decide who's violating. Because they're not, they're not having individual people go through all of the hours of Twitch. It just wouldn't be possible. 
So they're just, they have an algorithm, but the algorithm is very much skewed towards the right holder side. Again, I mean, that's the, that's the, the whole point of this whole system is to make it A, so that the providers, they're called ISPs in the law, but you know, they're just people who host websites. Um, they don't want to be in trouble for what their users do. And rights holders want to be able to bust users for doing stuff. So this is the compromise. And users are not, nobody was thinking about that really. I mean, that, not, that's not even true. They were willing to make the process as onerous on users as possible because the people who were going to pay them money in lobbying, the providers and the rights holders, were the ones that they were paying attention to. So, yeah, you know, that, that's copyright. That's been copyright so, since its inception. It's never been for the little person. It's always been for the big how, how much longer do you think we're going to be able to use the iPhone ringtone <laughs> as an ending outro that song? Is <laughs> that is a good question. Yeah, people in the chat, we haven't been busted on Ultra Chan. I got busted for doing that public domain jazz stream a couple of months ago now. <laughs> they muted it. Yeah, it was absurd. And then Those I challenged because of this yeah. process. Like, I know the process. I've done it before for clients. And I know, like, the law. So I challenged it, and they actually gave in on that. And since then, we haven't been muted. Yeah. Um, but we also just haven't been playing, like, what do I play on here when we're not on Tuesday show? Like, StarCraft music and, like, FX Fighter and stuff nobody cares about. Nobody's, there's no big record <laughs> label that's out to shut that stuff down. Like I said, yeah. I just sing on my streams. That's all. So I I play DMCA free music on my stream now, and while I'm actually streaming, while I'm actually playing, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday on Twitch.tv forward slash Tupperware, I don't ever play music while I stream. I just play it when I start up, and that's it. And it's always DMCA free. So yeah, I mean that's the way to go to to be safe. If I had clients who were Twitch streaming, I would definitely advise them to not play copyrighted music. It's just a big bummer because the one of the main draws for some people whose Twitch streams I watch sometimes is that people like to be in there because they have song requests available. Yeah. So you can request any song. They like that some people play certain types of music, certain artists. Like that's a big draw for them as well. Maybe they like watching whatever game the person's playing, but like they also like that this particular streamer has good taste in music. Like that is a that's a draw for people. Reviewers. It was. It was a draw. It's it not was. a draw anymore. I mean, when it, it, when it first got mentioned that they were going to do this, was the first, like, literally two days before that was the first time I started just playing, like, Breath of the Wild with some, you know, random music that I, that I listened to. And people were like, this is really cool music, James. Like, I've never heard of these bands. This is really kind of neat. And then they announced that, and I was like, well, <laughs> see you later with yeah. that. So... But yeah, I mean, we oh, don't know oh. about we don't know about video game music. Someone just said that they got copyrighted by Tekken for streaming Tekken, you know. So it's it, we, they got they got. Uh, oh, did your vods get deleted? Is that what you're saying, or did you get muted earlier? I'm not. Uh, in, in any case, video game music is certainly copyrighted. What is the bigger issue is that the specific rights holders who own some of this stuff are being more proactive than others. So this is all copyrighted, right? Like all the music that you hear basically is copyrighted. So, some stuff is avowedly uh, public domain. It's copyleft, you might say. But basically like all the music that you hear on a day-to-day -day basis is copyrighted, in including in games. It's just a question of whether the rights holder wants to be a jerk about it. And some major record labels 
most major record labels are they're jerks about it. I mean, that's their their business model is to be very restrictive with who gets to use it because they want to get paid each time that there's a use. I'm just so. going to uh, play classical music on my stream. I think that would actually. Okay. Be David okay, tried but, that, and then he got DMCA'd. Yeah, you have to be careful, because it's... Even if the music itself, even if the right. to be technical, underlying musical composition the performance. is... Yeah, the performance itself, the sound recording, I should say, really, is copyrighted as well. So the stuff that I was using, the ancient public domain stuff, the sound recordings that I used were ones that I at least tried to vet to be things that weren't under copyright anymore. So I try to get that's I try to get real precise about it, which is why I was comfortable challenging that in that case. But as far as game music goes in general, some game rights holders might be proactive about this in terms of getting their stuff shut down, and others aren't going to be. And I can't really tell you which is which until we see what happens. I don't know. Cool. Well, that sucks. You stuck Twitch. Yeah, totally. I mean, dude, I was this. The other day, like, it's such a classic example of things start off cool, and then, like, the big corporate power gets involved, and it just goes... It's just, it's just a worse product in a lot of ways. I mean, in, in some ways, certainly Twitch is a better <laughs> website now than it was, like, eight, nine years ago. Sure. I mean, but, like, it, like, technically it is. But in other ways, it's, like, it's Amazon running the show, and you can definitely tell in some of their decisions in terms of how they market stuff and th these kinds of decisions, and it, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. That actually sure. freaked me out a lot, Investigation Cone, what you put in the chat, because I was like, what the, how does anyone, and I was like, oh, it's Cone, okay. <laughs> that was almost like Psycho Mantis stuff right there. <laughs> you like so, Castlevania, like don't you? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Naughty Senpai, so my solution to that, not Naughty Senpai says, I won't stream Mortal Kombat anymore if I have to listen to it. it's abysmal and boring soundtrack. Uh, so what I'm doing when I stream Mortal Kombat now is I've gone back and looked through all of the Mortal Kombat games, 1 through X, and I have chosen the soundtracks that I think are good. From all of the stages, and all of the character selects, and all of the little interstitial stuff, I've chosen, I think, 17 tracks. So it's not... <laughs> out of, like... 10 games. 20 years of video games. <laughs> 20 years of video games. You found 17 tracks. You know, yeah, and, and some of those even are like on the margins. Are you a playing this on Steam or what. not? You need to figure out how you can swap the actual music files so that you can just play those instead. There's got to be a way to put in your own music that way. And then that way on the character select screen you can get you know <laughs> yeah i think the only good like notable mortal Kombat music is been character select and like mk1 yeah. and mk3 you yeah. mk3 dude those are the standouts absolutely mk1 yeah. character select music is something that'll be burned into at least not even the music but just that gong and the ching, 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 and then you move the cursor it's like 10 times louder than everything else out of the game <laughs> It was really cool in arcade. It wasn't so cool at home. Yeah, that was like in the in the Ki documentary where how they were talking about how they made the whole game a certain volume, but in, so everyone would set it to a certain volume, but they intentionally made Ultra Combo and like ever like and C -c 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 Combo Breaker louder than everything else, just so yeah. it would pierce through the arcade. Omar in the camera room. That is actually Wait, what happened. Important. 
AOC killed Ilhan Omar in the camera room. Yo, Omar's so, in there too? Oh, man. Well, this sounds just, so She just killed my representative, so... Yeah, let's go. How dare you, AOC? I feel yeah, like I need I, to I, go and watch the, the archives of this, dude. So. Yeah. I'm real That's curious awesome. what the chat looks like right now. Yeah. That's I I don't know if I'd be reading it. Yeah, I I would be I, like I, I, out of like morbid curiosity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, morbid curiosity. I'd have to see. Oh, uh, anyway, yeah, as, as far as uh, this question about Twitch, I don't have great advice for everybody. As a lawyer, I have to be general, right? I can't give you specific legal advice. And my general advice is just like don't play music that has. Uh, any copyright owners who are active in this and that's a very broad swath of music and i can't really be specific it sucks you know i wish i could i wish i could but <laughs> all i remember from the arcades I... is colossus going <laughs> that's what someone said in the chat of course the other famous one is noise in the arcade just like a scissors just right through all the noise i swear <laughs> that sound in particular is burned into my brain <laughs> oh, well, unlike man. you guys i'm not 57 years old so i didn't grow up in the arcade dude it's but so funny i did visit some on occasion i actually made a tweet that i was like man there should be an age limit on politicians like once you get 60 that you should just be done because you're so out of touch with things. And someone was like, that's ageism. You can't do that. And I was like, I figured I was close enough that I could make the joke. <laughs> you know, it's like how Chinese people can make fun of Chinese people. You know, that's like the way it works, right? So. <sighs> James 57, no. James is not quite 57. Yeah. not quite 57. Not quite 57. A lot closer to 57 than a lot of people probably want to guess. Yeah, I was going to say, you're closer to 57 than you are 28. I'm closer to 57 than I'm closer to you, for sure, I think. So. Uh, I think that's true. Yeah. Or yeah. it's the same anyway. It's maybe, the, maybe the same. Anyway, that's it about Twitch. Unless anybody in the chat has specific questions in the next 30 seconds, I don't know. Let me know. Let me know if you have like specific lawyer questions, and I'll get back to you. I just can't be like... I can't give you specific legal advice. You, you know, you, know the you have to give him one or five dollars. One or five dollars. One or five dollars. My chest pocket, and then I can give you legal advice. Right. That's how. One or five. Breaking Bad. Right. Also, if you give him four dollars and nineteen cents, no way, can't do it. Also, by the way, I have some important advice for people out there. Uh, don't hit your head with a te stick, even as a joke, because it actually hurts. <laughs> My, I wasn't even hitting it that hard, but man, now my neck hurts and I have a slight headache. So don't do that. Hey, Ultra Chen fans out there, don't hit yourself and have a blunt objects, James Chen. And knowing is half the battle. GI <laughs> Joe, real American hero. I'm trying to get us DMCA, dude. <laughs> Rip. Oh man, we had a good run. All right, next topic. What are we on, David? That's it. Yep. Now we're moving out to the 5-5 five, five matchup. Well, we don't have an interview this week, unfortunately. Uh, we were planning to interview... Do we want to talk about who we were planning to get on? Or? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, we mean, were trying to get on uh, Persia, a.k.a. Sam, uh, to come on and talk about her you know, path from the FGC to you know, being able to do all the cool stuff for games. Very famous GameSpot. But, yeah, the GameSpot, yeah. Um, so, uh, but unfortunately, something came up. She can't make it. 
so we'll try to get her on next week. Uh, but uh, because we don't have an interview, you want to take a break now real quick, and then we'll come back and start doing more stuff? Sure. Okay. You got it. Cool. We'll be right back, guys. We'll be right back. I saw Persia on a mobile game ad. I believe that. Persia is very famous. Way more famous than any of us. G.I. Joe, real American hero. My phone's going to die, and honestly, honestly couldn't care less. I right, told people to follow the captions yeah, for no, the Normally, it's screen. actually, we just have it unmuted during this time. I thought we were unmuted this whole time, so, oh well. Guess All right, let's start. Down. All right. Such a hurry, David. What do you have going All right, on? let's start. Don't, don't, don't let's start. This is the worst part. All right, let's start. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Tuesday Show. My name is James here, and I'm joined by Mr. Ultra David, Mr. Tubaware. What are we talking about right now? We're moving on stuff. to the matchup where we talk about stuff, as Tubaware has so accurately described. Let's begin by talking about this stuff over on the right. Chris G withdraws from the the Dragon Ball Fighters Championships. The left. Talk about this on the left. And if you look over to the right, you'll see Tubaware, who will discuss this right now. What am I discussing? Sorry, Discord actually literally froze for me. I'm assuming I'm talking about Chris G withdrawing from the national championship yeah, of Dragon yeah, Ball yeah, Fighter. Yeah. You got it, bucko! Alright, so here's what happened, guys. Chris G goes, hey, I'll play in your event, and I know that it's online. So he goes and he tests online, and he's like, alright, fine, fair enough. All right, but then he goes to play his actual match what against Reynolds. Dragon Ball Fighters National Championships. It's a national championship online for Dragon Ball Fighters. I don't know, can I... Should I go in more in depth than that? It's a, it's like a tournament that takes place over like seven weeks, from what I understand. Right, but they have and different I regions, think it's like round robin format, and everybody plays each other, and, and blah, 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 blah blah blah. Different regions. This is for the North America Correct. one. Correct. Um, like I came in assuming people knew that information. I'm sorry. Um, regardless, though, Chris agreed to do this thing that lasts about seven weeks, and uh, he went to play Reynold, and the connection was subpar. Surprise, surprise, Dragon Ball Fighters doesn't have good netcode, which everyone knows. Everyone knows that. The people coming in, I feel, knew that. But uh, Chris played his matches, didn't like how it felt. Um, Reynold did troll him a little bit, doing like six solar flares in a row. Like, Reynold was himself. That's just how Reynold plays. Yeah. Um, and then Chris G, after the, the match, dropped out. He said, nope, sorry guys, put a twit longer or whatever. And was like... This is crappy online play. I can't play to even half of my abilities. This is stupid. I don't want to do it. And that was that. Uh, a lot of people obviously are very upset about that. Some people came to Chris's defense. Uh, I have mixed feelings on it, actually, honestly. Okay. Um, normally, I would say, you know, man up, buck up, just play the damn game, blah, 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 yada, yada. Uh, but also, I advocate... I'm an advocate for strong netcode in fighting <laughs> games. Yeah. Like, I'm torn on that regard because I don't feel like the lowest level of player or the highest level of player should have to play with shitty netcode. Like, you, you shouldn't. The year is 2020. This was figured out in shooters in the 90s. Why is this still a problem in fighting games in the year 2020? But also, you have to understand... That if you're invited to play in one of these things, you're considered one of the best players in the world. 
definitely considered one of the best players in your region. Lots of people look up to you. It's not just you're not just playing for yourself anymore at that point, right? Like you're 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 representing an entire scene. You're representing the fighting game community at large. And also, like I said, man, there's a lot of people who look up to you. They they tune in to see you play. Like they're a fan of you. So to be selfish and let all those people down, that's 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 shitty. That sucks. Uh, yeah, I mean, do, do you know what's happening with his spot now? Is somebody else going to take I have no idea. I haven't seen anything on it. Yeah, I, I hope they replace him. I hope they put somebody else there. Yeah. Otherwise, I would think that there would be, like, a buy every week, and that right. seems silly. So, yeah, I hope somebody else takes a spot, and maybe they make that person play Reynold or whatever. They just give them the same result that Chris had or whatever the case is. I, I do hope that somebody takes a spot. Yeah. I definitely hope that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I'm... I have similar feelings, I guess. Yeah, it's it sucks to accept a position in an event that you know is going to be played on a game that you know has bad netcode. You've been playing it for two years at this point. And he has known which players even are going to be in it. Like the number, they were, they were announced way in advance, right? It was Chris, Super New, and Apology Man, Kuba, Subatomic Sabres, Cloud, Jonathan Tenay and Reynold, and like we've known that for like probably two months at this point. We talked about it a while ago. So you could have played with each of these players and found out like right away before the thing actually started that sure. maybe we have for even sure. worse connections than like typically is even the case on Dragon Ball. Maybe absolutely. So I, yeah, I definitely think that I do think it sucks to agree to join a thing to basically make it so that somebody else isn't there. Yeah right is what it is like you're taking a spot i mean you're obviously chris is very well it's very strong player like that's it's not that he's taking somebody else's spot per se but at the same time if he didn't want to do it then somebody else could have been there instead yeah and yeah that's you know that it, that's a bummer for whoever that person could have been i hope that there is going to be a replacement but yeah i think that that sucks at the same time yeah i mean i don't like playing in terrible online conditions uh, you know i don't have it's hard for me to be like too negative to condemn him too much because yeah it does suck that's part of why i stopped playing that game that's not <laughs> yeah for sure yeah. yeah i mean that's that's kind of where i am with 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 grand blue right now is i mean a i, I really hate the patch i'm not gonna lie i do not like how the game is but yeah. regardless of that not liking where the game is plus shitty neko like i right. i can't do it so like I, I can't necessarily be that mad at chris even though i really want to be because he let all his fans down and all that stuff. Also, like, playing online in Bad Netcode sucks, yeah. man. It's not fun. The biggest problem is that he may have taken a spot away from somebody else, right? Yeah. Chris G is obviously talented enough that he could pro he'll probably be able to make it into other stuff, but I'll get into that in just a little bit. That's the only part I'm upset about. The rest of it, I couldn't give a crap, right? Because, like, to be honest with you, the thing is, at this point in time, if anybody out there has any kind of preconceived notions of what Chris G should or should not do, just stop. Because Chris G is not going to do anything that any of us thinks he should do or expect to do. <laughs> we know the kind of person he is. And I'm not saying he's a bad person or a terrible person or whatever like that. But he is definitely someone who operates very much under his own whatever the heck he wants to do. And 
you know, he's also a guy who's kind of willing to accept the consequences in a little bit. Does this mean he's not going to get invited to more invitationals? Probably. Is he? Are other companies going to be more mad at him? Probably. Is this going to stain kind of the, the potential for this? Probably. But you know what? That's That's just the nature of it. You know, at this point in time, I think trying... We're not going to be able to get, we're not going to be able to hold Chris to any sort of standard that's going to deviate from whatever he wants to do right now. Will he grow out of that in the future? Maybe, but the signs of that aren't there right now. He's, like I said, it's not, I'm saying that he's immature. I'm just saying he's just going to do whatever the hell he wants at this point in time. And I don't know, just at this point, like <laughs> getting mad at Chris G is like, you know, <laughs> it's like old man yelling at clouds. Yeah, there's just so many ways to that. Like, he, I don't know. I it's like it's wasted emotion to me. It feels like to be honest with you. So, <laughs> you know, I, I I made a joke. You know, yelling at clouds. That made me think actually. Cloud really went in on Chris G. Yeah, so Chris G was Cloud the one yelling at really clouds. went in on Chris. Yeah, Chris was the one yelling at clouds then, basically. So. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, the clouds are yelling at Chris, I think. They're yelling back for once. <laughs> well, what did he say? What was he... Uh, he basically was just like, you're a giant baby. Uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. It's not a direct quote. But he's basically like, you're a giant baby. You shouldn't have quit. You knew the netcode was bad. Uh, and it's a privilege that you get to do these things that other people would literally kill for. Like, you're getting opportunities that people dream of having, and you're throwing them away because you want to complain about Netcode. So, and uh, Cloud just quote-tweeted Chris's, you know, statement about quitting the, the tour and was like, man, you are you suck for this, basically. So, you don't see top players calling each other out like that very often. I thought it was pretty interesting. I, I, know, I know that they don't have the best relationship. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I, it's good that somebody else, you know, said something about that, that had that viewpoint. And so I'm glad that Cloud came out and basically uh, saying that. But at the same time, it's just like I said, it's just wasting your energy yelling at Chris G at this point in time. Chris G gonna Chris G. That's just basically how it works at this point in time. I just like, what are you hoping happens when you sit there and go, you know, Chris G, this is a privilege for you. Like, I like at this point in time, I think we know that stuff is not even gonna phase Chris at all. <laughs> so, no, it's right. Like, like, like you said, he's gonna do what he wants. Yeah. Sorry. I oh, go ahead, David. I got yelled at by a cat. Uh, oh. I do agree that it's a privilege to be in those positions. Yeah, of course. of course. And it's. I remember that tweet now that you mentioned it, and Chris was not. I remember a response. I guess Chris was not pleased to have been told that it's a privilege um mm -hmm. that's not something that people say to like devalue really you know i mean the the intention behind telling somebody that, that it's a privilege to do something super cool like that is not meant to like devalue the hard work that you put into to become a really good fighting game player or whatever it is like all, all of us who end up being successful in whatever it is we all basically worked hard you know um in addition to that you need other very lucky stuff that is privilege, right? That's what people are talking about. And so, yeah, it's super lucky that Chris, like, grew up playing at Chinatown Fair. What luck, right? Very, very few people got to experience that. And it's super right. lucky that Chris has been able to travel around. And although that can take a lot of sacrifice to do, some people just can't do it, just despite however much sacrifice they would like to be able to give, because they just, for whatever reason, they can, can't do that. So there's any number of things that are definitely luck and definitely represent 
privilege. And I think that this is sure. This is it's a privilege to be chosen for this. Absolutely. So I. I mean, I don't know. I, there are a lot of people don't like that. That view that luck also plays a role in like how life goes, but Dude, that's just facts. I, I think it is. I think it is. O yeah. Opportunity is hard work and good luck. That's yeah. that's the formula. It's when luck meets, uh, you know, luck meets hard work. That's that's yeah, opportunity. Sure. And oh, that, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know, anyway. man. I, I, I yeah, I, I'm like I said, I'm torn. I can't be mad at him for not wanting to play online, but the way he went about it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good encapsulation of what I would say, too. He should, should have just not accepted it, let somebody else do it. We all know the netcode sucks. Like, he could, like you could make the same point by saying that you chose not to enter because you didn't like the fact that the netcode's crappy. You know, yeah, and, and I honestly think if Chris was trying to make a statement to <laughs> the publishers and devs of the game that saying, hey, they came to me and offered me this, and I told them no because their, their netcode sucks, that would have been so much more respectful. And taken better from the general public than, uh, I hate this netcode, I already entered this tournament, but now I quit. And they should fix it. Yeah, just, yeah. you know, being, being ahead of the problem is, again, it, like, just seems, it just seems more genuine. This is just what I mean, right? I hear like, you, James. I know, I know, I know. Even talking about this, like, even trying to expect this much out of Chris is like, <laughs> you know? Sure. And yeah, sure. I, I have heard that some other players chose not to play because the netcode is bad. Mm -hmm. I have heard that that was true. Some well. people are saying Sonic Fox just, you know, are, are didn't didn't go in there because he knew it was bad. So, yeah, I I just wish player those players would speak up and say that I was offered this and I told them no because their online is dog shit. I I wish the players would speak up about the stuff, but they're also worried too that if they do that, then they're not going to be invited to stuff later. And like I get it, man. I understand the politics for sure. All right, I think that's all I got about this one. Cool, me too. Yep. Next one. Moving on. Alright, cool. Let's do that. Skill-based matchmaking. It's something that we've been talking about lately. And Tom Cannon continued the conversation, saying in a tweet, Since I guess we're talking about skill-based matchmaking, I'm genuinely curious, which kind of matchmaking would you prefer when playing online? Evenly matched opponents every time? Or more variants, where sometimes you can beast on people, but sometimes you get beasted on. And in that, this is a poll that he put out there. Even match every time got 65.5% of the vote. Beast and get beasted on got 34.5% of the vote. This is relevant because Tom is one of the developers of Riot's new fighting game, and I'm sure that they're thinking about how to do skill-based <laughs> matchmaking in the game. He's just yeah. asking because he's curious, that's all. He's just curious. <laughs> hey, apropos of nothing. <laughs> no, <it's, sighs> definitely is curious, I'm sure, for work-related reasons. So what do you guys think? <laughs> Even match every time or beast and get beasted on? I, uh, you go ahead. You start this one, James. I, the way that I would say it is that... Um, it just depends on how you react, on how the game reacts to it, right? I think okay. it's better to not necessarily have those matches where you can beast on somebody and get beasted on, because it's annoying. Like, I'm playing Teppin. I haven't been playing the ladder much this season. I'm still not in champion right now. I'm ranked A1. And then they pair me up with number 136 in the world, right? It's just like, what is even happening here? But the reason why it's frustrating is because when you haven't reached champion level yet in Teppin, 
wins give you a star, losses take away a star, and you have to get five stars to get to the next level, right? So whether you lose to Joe Schmo or super awesome player, mm. it's the same penalty. That's the problem. If you are playing ranked matches, and this is something that I even suggested to the net to do to Arxis for their lobby system with the floors, that you just get randomly paired up with someone on a different floor and it says a floor match! And it shows like a different floor match, but the person who has the higher floor has nothing at risk at all. Like they can only gain like five points, but they can't lose anything. And the person at the bottom can like not gain much, like maybe five points, and and it's just one of those things that you just do it to test your metal. Because another thing too is that a lot of top players, you know, don't want to play those because they're afraid if they lose, they lose a thousand points. But if they win, they gain five points, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah. if you have a system by which you can play somebody at a wildly different range, just categorize it differently and just be like, boom, nobody really has anything at stake. You know, here's just something yeah. to test where you're at. It's fun kind of thing. So oh. I think that's kind of how to make it work, to be honest with you. When I think about this stuff for fighting games in particular, I think of a few different examples. Uh, one of them being, and what you just talked about, James, was present in Grand Blue uh, up until this patch, where if you played a ranked match and you were like, triple s rank whatever whatever and your opponent's like c rank nothing happened if you like it just didn't nothing happened it oh, was just okay, like a cool. never match because you were so far apart in rank hmm. um but the other example i think of and i think to this day is the best ranking system of any fighting game i've ever played ever period is vanilla street fighter 4 they had <laughs> a tournament championship mode where you would play, and you'd get placed into a four-man bracket, and you'd play through single elimination. Uh, if you took second place or whatever, you got X amount of points. You took first place, you got, like, a crown or whatever the hell it was. I forget how it worked. Um, but the way it worked was, the more tournaments you won, the higher ranked you became. So when you got high up in rank, you were only playing against, you know, three other players that were also really strong with you. It was like a, like a grading system is the best way I can put it. So if you were, like you know, S rank, you're playing against, you know, Alex Valle and Justin Wong and whoever else is playing the game online at that time. But if you were, like, a garbage player, you know, like, a bronze-level player or whatever, you're stuck down in C rank and you're playing against only C rank players. I think that, yeah, like, the, doing it that way, but also showing progression and also not having that much on the line if you lose is the best way to do it. Because when you do rank up, you do play against better players. If you lose, you don't feel like a giant sack of shit and lose, like, all your points on top of yeah. it. You just don't leave the C-level bracket. That's all. I think that's the best way to do it. I don't have any memory of anything like that existing in Street Fighter 4. <laughs> that was... Because you got to play vanilla in arcade, dude. You got to go against play, play people in real life. I was in Vegas, and if I didn't want to drive the Ruins house, I had to play online. Like, that's how it was. Oh, I guess man. you're right. Yeah, I really didn't play that game online. That's a good point. The only person yeah, that you had to play against was Ruin. I'm so sorry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Daniel's a clown. That guy's a fighting game genius, though. I love Ruin. <laughs> no, he is very good. He I love good. Ruin. Um, anyway. Yeah, I really don't remember that, but that's interesting to know. So I think that what I would prefer, just to directly answer the question, is I would prefer, I do prefer, uh, Beast and Get Beasted on. 
I want to have a wide breadth of opponents for two reasons. Well, really the one reason of I want to learn. I want to learn how to play against people. And when I'm playing against people who are at my skill level, I feel like I'm not learning as much. I'm, I learn how to overcome the things that are lacking in my game by playing against people who are stronger than me. And I learn also how to manage other players risky or unorthodox or unconventional decision making when they're a lower level than I am. Those are both really important to me and playing at somebody who's at my level, to me, I'm not learning. I'm I'm there's nothing to like be gleaned from our gameplay for hmm. learning. Um, I'm you know, making decisions that are not very different from the opponent's decisions. I mean, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, of course, but there's not, I'm not ever in those situations playing against somebody exactly the same skill level thinking like, wow, very interesting. I learned a new whatever it is, a new strategy, a new combo, whatever, right? So I want to have the, the big variety in terms of how skilled my opponents are. To me, that's the most effective way to be learning. I mean, I know that that's something that, you know, helps you personally. Yeah, this know, is just my personal answer. Yeah, I know a lot of people out there that, you know, do have trouble with that. And I actually, weirdly enough, do learn from beasting on people, which everyone says, you shouldn't, like, you don't learn anything beating up on scrubs or something like that. So it's kind of weird. Like, yeah, I totally, like, that's kind of why I would like to have, I don't want to remove the ability to fight the better player or the much worse player because... Everybody needs that experience to know where they stand, you know, kind of situation. The hard part is just that, you know, if you're really dedicated to ranking up in the ladder and then you run into some guy who's like three ranks above you and you're like, what the hell? Now I have to, the, like, this is why I keep saying it's a brutal process playing fighting games online because watching your points go away is just, it's so demoralizing. Even though the points don't matter, we can all say that as much as, as we want. I tell people all the time, don't worry about rank, you know, just play for learning and that and then you know i'm like trying to fight to get the diamond and i lose points and i lose points and i cry because i lost like 500 points today and stuff like dude yeah, i totally yeah. get it like it's hard yeah. not to let it impact you but if there's a way that they can just call out like you know big challenge match i mean in teppin they do it is giant killer match they call it out that way which is kind of neat and if you do manage to win you get two stars which is kind of cool so you do get rewarded for beating them and you know but at the same time like i feel like if you do have giant killer matches like i just think that there shouldn't really be any sort of repercussions on there either direction because the thing is if you make it so that only the lower person can gain then if I was a player and I was a giant killer, then I would like beat up on someone until the last pixel and then let them kill me just so they could get a bunch of rank points, you know, because I just would be a homie that way, you know, <laughs> show them that I'm going to beat you and then let you get all your points. But if you just make it so that there's no repercussions and it's just there for fun so you could really figure out where you stand, I think that's cool. I, I, I don't want to lose that, like David says. It's very important to have those kind of matches. The problem is is just the ment mental problem if, if you are a person who's obsessed with your rank and then you run into someone ranked super high up and you're like, God damn it, I don't have any chance. Why are they putting me blah, blah, you know, stuff like that. So, Well, I would argue that if you see a challenge in front of you, and you go, I have no chance to win. You're not much of a competitor anyways, and you can honk off. 
I, 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 you know what? Wow. I don't like that mentality. I, I really, really hate that thought process because why though? Because a lot of us aren't trying to be like the best players in the world. We're just trying to get good or have fun sure. and just have a good time and well, stuff then like play that. Player matches, right? Like, don't play the ranked version. Play the the not ranked version yeah, and have your good time. A lot of people aren't even not on there, and they like to see the progression of their points. You know what I mean? And the thing about sounds it like is, you're competitive to me. Then I don't know, man. No, but see, that's <laughs> that's not the case. Right? They just want to see a progression of their points, but they're not sitting here trying to get to diamond or anything. They just want to feel like they're getting better. And the whole idea that, oh, if you can't stand the heat, get out of it. Like I've always told everybody, there's about 50,000 different hobbies that we can do out there. The fact that they're even playing fighting games is really important. And if we don't make it fun for them, they can go find something else that they want to do that's more fun for them and more fulfilling for them. Because there is that many things to do in the world. And so by telling people, by gating it, by saying, if you can't take this, then you shouldn't even be here in the first place, I just, I feel like it hurts the community so much more, to be honest with you. I, I, that's why I'm like super anti that, that thought process these days. There's just, there's so many, th like, if I'm annoyed by this, I could go learn a guitar, and then I, you know, I would, I would, that would be cool in its own way. I could learn to knit. I could learn to program Unity right now. I can try to max was, out in Tetris. I was know? literally thinking in my head, I'll literally tell those people to go learn to knit. So they can compete with themselves. Like, <laughs> literally running through my head. You can go knit for all I care. Like, I, knitting is pretty cool. Yeah, no, it is cool. Like, I, I'm not downing knitting. I'm just saying, like, it's not competitive. You can see progress. You can see yourself get better. If that's what you want to do, that's but cool, see, man. But, like, but see, that's I play competitively. So I'm going to try hard. I'm going to make the games real sweaty. And if you don't like that, that sucks for you guys. Like, yeah. that. That's what fighting games are for, in in my eyes. It's to be competitive. Yeah, I just I just know too many people who just want to play fighting games because they just want to play fighting games. That's not to say to exclude those that are competitive and they want to get better. And then when they you know get into diamond rank, that they're super ecstatic. I was fucking ecstatic when I got to diamond rank, right? Like, I, I totally get that. I understand that. But the thing is, I know that my point of view is not the same point of view as maybe 80% of the people out there who are playing. Most of the players yeah, are in yeah. bronze, gold, and, and, and silver. You know, I don't even necessarily think that you're wrong, James. Like, I'm not even necessarily disagreeing with you. Uh, I, I understand the the want to play the game and see a number or a grade or anything like that progress and right. go, oh, hey, the game is telling me I'm improving. That's really cool. I get that. But also, Arxis did that. Arxis has been doing that for a very long time. They have the little square system where the better player you are and the better people you beat, the square changes colors. You're not ranked on that square. has nothing to do with the ranking. But people still use that as like a barrier mm -hmm. of entry. Like, if you're not a pink square, you suck. And people get really mad about it. So I don't yeah. I don't think there's a way you can show progression and not make it competitive somehow. Someone well, is going to use that okay, shit against you. I'm not, saying to, say you I'm not saying to not make it competitive. 
these people understand that it's competitive and they're playing competitive, but it's just like if I sit here and I go up against Michael Jordan in a basketball game, I know I'm going to get messed up. It has nothing to do with the fact that like, oh, I don't have a desire to get good and I to feel like I'm going to get messed up by Michael Jordan, right? It's just the understanding I'm going to get messed up by him. And if you're playing not at that kind of level where I'm like, let's do this. I'm going to be the best player in the world. If you're playing online and you run into someone who's like eight ranks above you, it's just, it's, it's mentally discouraging. Like I said, I'm not even saying this from my own personal viewpoint because I, I like in a fighting game, I want to fight these guys. You know what I mean? I have no problem with it, but I'm just saying that I know that that kind of mentality gatekeeps a lot of people from wanting to play fighting games. And so that's why I'm so into what Arxis is trying to do to remove rank and, you know, do all these things like that, because I just think that there's gotta be a a better way to get more people to play honestly you know people are definitely going to be talking about the tower system in the same way that they talk about the square system in dragon ball yeah right like if you're on floor nine or whatever it was that was the max i don't remember now yeah yeah people are going to have the same kind of reaction to that oh i'm only on floor two. I, oh boy i really got a lot of work like it's going to be yeah, exactly. i don't know um, I mean, whatever. Try some new stuff. We'll see how it works, but that's my expectation. I'm not saying that I think that there should be... Like, it shouldn't be the case necessarily that, like, somebody who is the first rank should play against somebody who's at the highest rank. I mean, there should be some... Whatever the range is, right? There right. should be some reasonable range. But I still feel that, for me personally, I would rather play against a range than to have the same skill level against me every time. Sure. And I mean, if we didn't run out of time, I would say that the option is there to not have skill-based matchmaking in literally every fighting game. So you can have that experience as well as you just play on player yeah. matchmaking. And, 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 you know, and Zynek also said, what people need to realize is their fun isn't the same as course. the next person's fun. What you need to realize, Zynek, is that netcode better be good. Or I'm going to fly to fucking Japan, and you and I are going to have it out personally, bucko. And I will, and I will say that by not by taking away the ranking points necessarily but still having something that still at least shows your strength makes it so that players can enjoy it at a casual level at a semi-serious level and for the hardcore players there's a way to make it work for everybody but catering only to the hardcore players i think is the mistake that's that's just where i come from that's my opinion that seems fine seems pretty reasonable all right, we're moving on to the next one. The next one is... Oops, I forgot to change the subject the first time. Oops, okay. Criminy. Is the online fighting game experience too complicated? <laughs> this is also inspired by a tweet. That tweet was by Crofts, and it is... Well, it's a meme, I guess, but the text of it is every other genre... Press the gigantic play button and you will be placed into a match. Fighting games. If matchmaking you would like to see, first you must answer my riddles three. And the pictures that he puts up here are four. There's the one in League where there's a giant play button. And then there's the one in Fall Guys where there's an even gianter play button. And then there's the one in, I don't know, a game I don't immediately recognize where there's a giant play button. And then there's the fighting game, which is Dragon Ball Fighters where when you get loaded in there, you have 
I mean, it could be absolutely anything. There's there's an arena that your little dude is walking into, and you don't know anything about where anything is at all. It, you have to literally explore yeah. or find out there's a sub menu that you can just go to directly, which also is not immediately obvious. And then, which one of these spots is where you play against somebody, and there's just a whole rigmarole involved, rather than just being like, let's play. Here it is. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I don't like the lobby thing they've done for every Arxis game in the past, like, five years or whatever it's been. Um, I think it's cute. I think it's real cool that you can fish for new costumes and whatever. Like, that's that's real cute stuff. But, yeah, I do. I think it's overly complicated. Um, it actually caters to people that don't play on Arcade Stick, too, because you need the right stick to move the camera around. <laughs> so I, so I, I don't last an Arcade Stick player. I hate that. Um... Also, I, th I think that probably causes some ableism issues as well. But outside of that, um, yeah, I, I, I hate the lobby system. It's it's not obvious what things do. They give you, like, this 20-minute tutorial when you turn on the game. Like, come on, man. Like, if I'm a new fighting game player, I already have to play the tutorials for how to play the characters and learn. Yeah. Like, that's it's too much. I don't need a... Why do I need a tutorial on your menu system? It should be a list of shit, and I pick it, and that's what I go do. Like, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it, I, I don't like it at all. I, I think it's really cute and, and you know all that stuff, but as far as actual usage, like the ability to use the product, it sucks. I, I feel like I'm too in too deep. I'm in too deep on this. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been playing fighting games for so long that it's just very. It's very clear to me. Well, for the Dragon Ball thing, like I had to walk around and figure it out, and then eventually I figured out that there's a sub menu. That was pretty stupid. That was pretty <laughs> stupid. But for other fighting games, like I know that there's a ranked mode, and I know that there's a casual mode, and I've come to expect that. And sometimes when I play one for the first time, I realize it's a little bit different. And oh, okay, so for BB tag, I have to like walk into a lobby, like a physical, well, a digital physical space. BB tags in particular is very difficult. And that, yeah, so and like, then I have to like stand in front of somebody else. Yeah. Like it was, there was a whole learning process again. Cute, but like, just let me, just give me a second. Got to run in circles to find somebody else who was running in circles. Yeah, and then I'm walking around with a big Tager or walled avatar. And there are people who are like, oh, I don't want any part of this. And then they walk away. <laughs> that happened many times. And then the worst part is like, every station is taken up. And you're running around. And you find one guy who's free. And you try to challenge him. And he just runs away from you. Like, dang it. So you run yeah, around in circles again. It's super again. fun. Absolutely has happened to me And then you game. run around in circles again. And then you see the guy who's free. Oh, it's the same guy. Yeah. And then you yeah, run yeah, around in circles. Yeah. Like, yeah, that definitely sucks. So eventually, I just started wearing a Ragna avatar, and it all ended up being okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> lied to people. Uh, but as far as other games, like I expect when I log onto a fighting game that there's going to be a ranked mode, that there's going to be a non-ranked mode, that there's going to be like a lobby system that I can set up. I just have these expectations. So I don't really know how it feels to be somebody who goes into that world and is caught off guard by it, because I've been doing it for 15 years, I guess. It's just hard for me to know, really. But I do know that when I sign on to other games, like I used to play League, it was obvious. There was the it was a big button that said play, <laughs> and that's what I would do. And I would just click that button, and it would all work out. Yeah, that was easy. Same with Overwatch. Overwatch was very clear. Like you know, those experiences are certainly a lot easier to get into. So sure, I suspect that if somebody else is having that experience from other games into fighting games, but it's not clear. It's like there's this whole riddle situation that you got to answer. 
Yeah, I imagine that that would be frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of with David because, like, I hadn't really thought about that part of it. I, yeah. You know, I've always been kind of anti-ranked mode because I just don't think it's creating an enjoyable experience for a lot of people out there. But I'm so used to fighting games that the whole, where's ranked? Even because every game puts it in a different place. Some games have it in the online submenu. Some of them have it in the battle submenu. Some of them have it in... But for me, it's always been like, where is it? Where is it? There it is. Okay, let's go. And you play. I hadn't really thought about it, but when I saw Croft's tweet, I was like, you know, he has a really strong point here. He really, really does. And yeah, fighting games are tricky because they have a lot of small other separate things. Here's training mode. Here's trial mode. Here's blah, 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 blah. All these different things out there like that. But honestly, the top menu should just have a play... play go to ranked match you know and the ranked match you should like it literally should be like play giant green button and a little settings icon on the side and then you click on the settings icon and that's where you can set you know preferred rounds preferred plat you know console or on platform opponents or you know can i do this or whatever stuff like that but otherwise the play button should just be there and it should just take you online right away um Look, fighting games, unfortunately, are going to be super complicated. The thing about it is, I I just don't think that if a game like League of Legends had a much more complex menu, that it would really be doing that much worse. (laughs) I feel like they probably put in a lot of research into that. I I would not be surprised at all to find out that they actually have spent a lot of time trying to figure that out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I think that there's a... I mean, there's a problem here, which is that when you press the play button there... It's in a context where you just have one, well, maybe two player, like you have modes, right? Right. And there's the play button, more or less. Whereas in fighting games, yeah, are you playing offline? That's going to be different. Are you going to play offline? Say it's Mortal Kombat, and there's offline tournament mode, and then there's an online where it's ranked. I mean, I guess now that I think about it, when you go into Mortal Kombat, and then there's like the play option, there's there's local match, tournament match, online, some other crap that I can't recall. And then when you press online, then it's like, do you want to play in ranked? Or do you want to play in this kind of player match? Or that kind of player match? Or that kind of player match? Or this other kind of private lobby? And this other... It's actually super complicated now that I think about it. And yeah, I think that I've just been doing it for so long that that has (laughs) felt natural to me until like maybe this exact instant. David, you you understand that like that applies to fighting games just overall too, right? Yeah. (laughs) Like all all these things that we do as fighting game players, we're used to as fighting game players, right? Like it's it's not even just the UI of the games. literally playing the games and yeah. a lot of it doesn't seem that hard to us but the new players they're just like what the hell of course <laughs> the fact that whenever i play against people offline you know when we were capable of that and we would start up a machine and then the first thing that i would almost always do is go to training mode even though i meant to go to versus just out of muscle memory habit you know it just kind of shows how much we've kind of just like complex menu woo! yeah we don't even care anymore (laughs) but i mean 
it's true because I mean that's why people don't make a CVS two kind of game anymore where you're like let me pick the characters and then the groove and then the ratio and all that stuff like that because it is. Are you sure they don't, James? Because in Street Fighter Five, you pick the character, you pick the V skill, you pick the V trigger, and maybe one day you'll pick a super too. Who knows if they yeah, have that? But that like, was... I, I I don't agree that they don't make those games. But that anymore. was after five years and it wasn't there the first time. You know I mean, what I mean? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong there. It didn't yeah, launch that. That's the thing. That's, it's, that's... It was a slow progress. CVS 2 is like, here you go. Oops, sorry, cat. Sorry. <laughs> I scared my cat. Sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, and actually, Street Fighter Five is actually one of the better ones about it because the top menu does just have ranked casual and blah, blah, blah right there and true. then. Yeah, and so true. Street Fighter Five. You know, I know people don't like to say good things about Street Fighter V, but Street Fighter V has done a lot of good things, you know, and so I think that they did a pretty decent job with the menu, um, but... You can find matches while in training mode, which is great. Yeah. That's always been less than that. Yeah, there's... there's... I mean, that's, that's not like a new feature, though. Like, that wasn't like... No, it's not that. They didn't come up with that, but some games still don't have that. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So, honestly, uh, I hadn't thought about it, when I read John Croft's tweet, I was like, yeah, actually, he's kind of right about this. I don't know if the right answer is play button, because like you said, what are you playing? You know, because offline yeah. is a thing for fighting games. So it's a really good question. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, what the answer is, but there's probably worth... For fighting. What's that? I just don't think it can be that simple for fighting games, but it can certainly be online, ranked, not ranked. Like, it could be that simple. Yeah. But as far as, like, play, like, I don't think we can do that. Like, it's just not yeah. that type of video game. I think, I think David has a good point. The fighting game companies probably need to do the same kind of research into UI design that Riot probably has done in League. So... And not just Riot. I mean, this is uh, there are several yeah, examples yeah. that Crossy puts in here, and then I've played other games that have similar ease of use. Because clearly, clearly, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite's menu was a placeholder that they never finished. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Stacks, James. Yeah, that, ugh, the whole UI of that game is just... Yeah. <laughs> so, pro probably second worst fighting game UI in the last 10 years. What is first? Is that... You already, uh, is that your favorite game, Samurai Showdown? Yes. Yeah, I agree. It's pretty bad. Of course. Yeah. It's unbelievably bad. Two pages for character select is the dumbest thing. It's just an incredibly bad decision. Yeah. Interesting that King Vasuki says, I don't know anything about UX. I never studied this stuff. But there's a criteria in UX that I was taught, King Vasuki says, number of clicks times amount of time equals probability that people will close the window. <laughs> I, yeah, I can see I, that. I, I, can see, I mean, I... I myself have this experience of maybe not in fighting games because I'm so accustomed to it, but sure, I've been in situations where I've just. In fact, you know what? Now that I think about it, in fighting games, you know how when Street Fighter Five you sign on and then it wants to tell you like what costumes are available or some oh, nonsense. Yeah. I've I've never read that. I don't. I to this day, honestly, have no idea what it means. And it took me probably two years to realize what button it took to get out of those menus because I mashed every single time. I literally didn't look at the screen and I was like, get out of here <laughs> every time for years. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I mean, get Street it. Street Fighter V also has that, like you have to like scroll down and accept 
after, when you start every time like a EULA or something like that. So, you know, oh, those are the daily tasks. Oh, I've never looked at that at all. <laughs> yep. Yeah, who knows? I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you have to slow down. So I'm literally doing this with the stick and mashing the buttons. I just I didn't even want to look at it. No, actually, anyway, Shay actually nice brings a good point. That's why removing Google as your search engine on Android takes 15 clicks. That's also why it takes 19 clicks to defriend one person on Facebook, and you cannot defriend them in bulk. <laughs> that is exactly why, because they know the yeah. more clicks that they put on it, the less likely you're going to do it. Yeah, they don't want you to do it. Oh, At one God, point, I Zynac, went from about I... 1,000 friends Dude. down to 200. And that took me many, many hours. Yeah, and Zynac, many yeah, the, whenever, I mentioned this too. I start Soul Calibur on PC, a different button is accept and back. And then on Street Fighter V, it's two different buttons. And then on Marvel, it's two different buttons. And then uh, just yesterday, I turned on my Soul Calibur, and for some reason, all the buttons were in different places. And my start button didn't work at all. And I didn't do anything. My controller was plugged in the whole time. I started like I always do, and every button on my joystick was in a different place. I literally had to quit the game and come back in just to get the buttons into the right place. Like, it's... Anyways, yeah. Pretty weird. Well, at least now in Japan, they're going to be on the same standard that the rest of the world has been when it comes to PlayStation and the accept and back out button. That's true. Are they really they're going to do X as confirm and circle as back? They didn't yeah, make they us change. change. They made them change. Because apparently this, it was this was Sony Japan's idea. We didn't we didn't make them do anything. That, Sony Japan's true. like we're gonna be like everyone else. But it also wasn't like it was the United States versus everyone else in this case, where it's like, you know, if it were just one country that had right. it the opposite way, okay, fine. No, it was Japan and the rest of the world, is my understanding. So yeah, if you're gonna have a standard, it's easier to just make the one region change. Yep. But. Circle being, uh, I've always hated being yes and ding, 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 oh, being no. We're for sure dumb, but circle yeah. should have been the bottom button. That's the problem. That's the problem. Yep, they they should change where circle and X are. Have do not change that. I've been playing PlayStation since 1996. I would be so pissed if that changed. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but when they were designing it, they should have put, they should have made those two yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Good luck to those Japanese players out there. Oh boy! PlayStation, and it's like I'm constantly switching back and forth between the two standards. It's really not that That's big a deal. Because we import games, dude. <laughs> it's not that big we, a deal. There's no one on this show that's under 30 years old. No one. We're all old men. Yeah. You were born in '97. That's cool. I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, congratulations. <laughs> Grumpy old man David I'm, yells I'm, at children for being I, young. I was born in a year as well. I'm, watching, I'm waiting to see to our me. viewer count drop by one right now. <laughs> I'm thinking, man. Man. Uh, also, facts. Sleazy is never coming back. He wants his money back on his sub. <laughs> hey, not bad. It hasn't changed. Okay, all right. Next topic. <laughs> All right, I think that is about it for this. Oh, did we run out of time anyway? Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're, we're a lot of the time. All right, very good then. Let's skedaddle into the viewer questions for 5-5 matchup. We had some interesting ones today. 
Any chance that you wrote these down? I don't think that you did this, did you? I did. You did. Hey! Hey, look at James. He did James, it. James, let's do it. All right. Question number the first. Are there styles of fighting game characters that haven't been invented yet? Or that have been invented but haven't been explored enough yet? Two, which Street Fighter game has had the highest level of competition at its top level? Wow, contentious. Three, should the FTC be concerned about bringing up new tournament organizers in addition to already established groups? Do new TOs face a barrier to entry? And if so, is that unnecessary or helpful quality control? Four, what's the general consensus on the value of aesthetics and character choice? How do you value the look and feel of characters and games? Five, will online tournaments have worth in a post-COVID world? Is there value in having high-level competition over the internet once we can play offline again? Sixth, with Guilty Gear Strive and UMK11 being the only fighting games with next-gen releases, and not even exclusively next-gen at that, what can we expect in compatibility and support for current fighting games on PS5 and Xbox Series X? And how important will any such support be? Seven, are esports competitors playing a game or doing a job? <laughs> Eight, what do you think about simplified inputs? Do different input types and motions make characters feel different? And then nine, how are we going to make the LGBT community, African-Americans, disabled people, veterans, etc., feel happier and safer being at events in the future? Um, that's, by the way, that has not won the, the poll here, but we've talked about that many times in the past, and it's very important, yeah. of course. Oh, we're back. Sorry. The winner is... Five, will online tournaments have worth in a post-COVID world? Is there value in having high-level competition over the internet once we can play offline again? What do you all think? Hit me with it. Yes. <laughs> I think they will be super important. I've already okay. said that I believe the arcade to console transition it was an important transition, and the transition to acceptance of online being something that is skillful because we'll have better net code, and the importance of it is the next generational transition that a lot of people are going to fight against, but eventually, uh, five years down the line, six years down the line, it will seem silly that we even had this conversation, just like the console conversation. So I think it's super important. But do you think, it sounds to me like you think it might be a situation of, like, fighting games will always be online? Like, could it be, like, a transition from StarCraft Brood War to StarCraft Two, which was start always online situation? You had to, like, get matched up even locally? Oh, no, 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 I don't want that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying that online tournaments are going to be super important, and I think that they are absolutely needed and justified. I mean, even just us running our own show you can scrimmage right now, we're getting people who just never will have the chance to go play in a tournament ever in their life without it. And maybe as a result of them playing in that and playing in the Reddit Street Fighter tournament, that they find out something, and, and you know, the Reddit Street Fighter tournament, they do such a good job in trying to make sure the environment feels welcome. We try to do the same thing uh, in the show you can scrimmage. It could really introduce people to a, a, a cool thing that, that, that they'll really, really like. So I think online is super important. Do I think it should replace offline events? No. Do I want offline events to always still be the most important thing? Yes. But 
online events are going to be very much an integral part of the entire fighting game community and something that we need to focus on and make sure that the games themselves advertise these online tournaments and make it so like tournament is happening ding ding enter you know <laughs> stuff like that so i think that this is something that is going to happen we need to embrace it and we can't we have to stop being like you're just an online warrior no that's gonna go away because we used to be like you're just a console player you don't know anything you know it's the same transition we did used to do that we were real uppity about it mm -hmm. nerds yeah i think that well for sure so covid is a very stark example of having to play online because almost everybody is in that boat, right? Very few people live with somebody else who they can play against regularly in the fighting game, right? That's just not a common experience. So this is one where we're almost all having that. But the truth is that lots of people can only play online at least some of the time. There are parts of the world that get shut down by Blizzard sometimes. Sometimes it's just too cold to go outside. How are you going to play a fighting game? snowing outside right now. Is it really? It was 90 degrees here today. Wow. There is there is like six, seven inches of snow on the ground. In what there. are you guys That's... talking about? You're talking about the same place. Clearly, I'm just looking out my window, <laughs> and you two are looking out the exact same window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, the, to the window over here on my left, It's it was uh, actually in the 80s today, now that I think right. about it. But on the window on Tubo's side, it was snowing. Fantastic. Oh, Very yeah. interesting. Okay, okay, okay. that makes more sense. Right. Okay, thank you. Very interesting. As Very long interesting. as you clarified, it was two Weather different, is wild. Two the different windows crazy, yeah, yeah. makes it make sense. Okay, all right. So, we all go through phases where we can't go outside. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you got injured. Maybe you only have half an hour. Maybe you have an hour to play video games, and that's just not worth the 20 minutes it would drive to your buddy's house or to a local or whatever. It's just like you don't have enough time. Uh, so, we all have these experiences of just not having enough time or whatever for other, other reasons. Can't leave our houses. We gotta have good online play, man. This is something that we've been asking for since way before COVID. This experience has been the biggest factor in why that's been so important for us yes. lately but we have been asking for a rollback a long time along and not even just rollback but good rollback netcode we've been ripping on sf5 and it's bad job of doing rollback <laughs> uh, why'd you, why'd you uh, hesitate saying that david what <laughs> What would hold you back from saying that, David? Maybe, some other, things, maybe some other things. Uh, some other things ran through my head first, and I decided okay. on bad job. Sure, sure, okay. So this is something we've been looking for forever, and it is important, and will continue to be important. I agree with James, and I'm sure Tubo agrees that offline play should always be the focus, but that's just not—it's not practical at all times, or even very often for most of us. So having good on online play and tournaments online will definitely still be needed after COVID. So what you guys literally just described is what shooters have been doing since like the early 2000s, <laughs> yeah. where where you, you play online, you have these tournaments online and like, yeah, money can be on the line and they can still be prestigious and all that stuff, right? But the real majors, the real shit, the, the, the actual super major events, they're all offline. They're all on land. They're all played offline. And uh, I talked about this on, on the show before, but even like in the CSGO community, which very obviously is 98% online, right? Like every you play 
shooters online. That's what you do. Yeah. Um, even in that community, their fan base will make fun of teams they can't win offline. They're like, oh, you know, they're 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 online only. All they can do is win <laughs> online. And and there are teams that that have way more success when you know the ping is eighty <laughs> than when they're playing on land and the the ping is immediate. You know, at zero. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I, I guess my. I, I, I think this is where we're going. I think where where we have to go. Where we should have gone long ago. Yeah. However, I am couldn't. worried that these fighting game companies are going to invest in their netcode now, and they're going to be like, "All right, we're going to start running our own tournament stuff online, and it's going to pr be primarily online, and you're going to have to qualify online, and that's going to cause problems, man. Like, it doesn't matter how good your netcode is." problems happen through the internet like it, it it just that's just facts like like people still go to majors for connect to each other. people still go to majors for ki still go to majors for Skullgirls, for right Mortal, exactly. for all this stuff even though the online's good it's always better to play offline of course and, and 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 at the end of the day we only take the offline results as like the very serious like this is what actually matters at the end of the day right uh, I, I really just hope that that isn't lost because playing fighting games offline, no matter how good your netcode is, is not the same as, as playing online. It, it, it's just playing offline is a better experience. Yeah. It really shows mm -hmm. truly who is the better player, I think. So I, I just hope that in this transition, we don't lose sight of that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like in my mind, it doesn't it doesn't really compare to arcade versus console because that was just elitism bullshit right like that was just haha we're arcade players you you scrubby o niners or whatever like it's that's sure I, I understand that hazing but this is like an actual natural progression thing where i don't <laughs> want to lose sight of the fact that playing offline is still way way stronger and better and more reliable than playing online well i don't want to say that i think that um that people who spend time to get good at offline or online, that one of those is like inherently, that there's some inherent superiority in one or the other. I don't think that that's my yeah. position. Like I, said, I, sub I subjectively prefer offline, and it's what I want to keep focusing on. But for online play, there's just different tactics that work, different strategies that work compared to offline. And I don't know that that's, that's like... That's not the real game. That's not, that's I don't not the actual right. game. I don't think that's right. I think that they're both the real game. Yeah. Oh. I just... I just subjectively prefer the offline, and it's what I hope that we keep focusing on. But I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that I think that online play is not the game. Okay, so in, in good rollback netcode, you generally have a buffer window, right? That buffer window is usually between four and six input frames, or four and six frames for your inputs. Therefore, intrinsically, it is naturally, in good net, rollback netcode, you have four to six frames of input lag, no matter what. It's not usually that high. It is, though. It is. I, I want to say KI is like four or five or I six. Think Portals is like. three. And I think Skullgirls is one or zero, even. Like, they got. No, no. Skullgirls, you, Skullgirls, you get to pick. You get to pick yeah, what your, pick, yeah. your delay is. Look, yeah. uh, but regardless, I think you're, adding, you're adding input delay there, into the are, game. You are adding input that's not, that's not the natural game. That's not how the game was designed. That's not how the game was meant to be played. I'm not it's, sure that's right. I don't. So I, I, here's the thing. I find it funny that you did call the console to arcade, arcade to console, kind of like this weird elitism that's not real, and that this online-offline thing you're arguing is different. This is my exact yeah. point. Five years from now, we're going to find this conversation silly. 
that there's I, I not, mean, that, that maybe. No, I hope so. Nobody's going to bulk about that. That online is going to be the same. No one's going to think any differently. Because trust me, as someone who grew up in the arcade, and I could still probably sit down right now and be like, no, look, you're wrong. I'll tell you why arcade is different and better than console right now. Like, I could probably argue that, but I know it's silly. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the best thing to say is just that you subjectively prefer one or the other. Right. It's not that it's there's not some inherent superiority. It's just you prefer offline. I do. Too. I, 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 I well, think I, offline is is inherently superior. I think that's how the game was designed and meant to be played. Right. When they were designing the actual video game, they weren't like, well, sometimes there's going to be three to four frames of lag in your input, so we should make this punish window bigger. Like, no, that's. They, they, they made a one-frame punish window for this move because they wanted that move to be hard to be punished. Like, that's... I don't and know. then all of a sudden you play online and you just can't punish it anymore on reaction? I'm not sure like, any devs are, are, no, have man. that decision-making there, but... You're, you're it, right, it, it, they it, don't, because they just designed the game for offline and they add the online play later. I also just don't care what their intentions are. That doesn't matter to me. Hey, I don't care oh, if it's... Hey, David. David, remember when we used to make fun of players on pads? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And by the way, Tubo, the console versus arcade thing didn't start with you and your precious Street Fighter 4 in 2009. Oh, man, I, I know was, you guys played TVS2 from consoles and whatever. I, I get it. I was a saying 09er because that's when, when I came in. That's all. All good. Because, I mean, if I, if you really wanted me to go into this, like Vi is even saying in the chat, the one thing you can argue about OG SF Arcade versus console, the ports on console were whack. Yes, that is absolutely true. That I See, that that's something I, I would be down with, though. Like, I would have agreed with the arcade guys. Right, but... I'd have been like, yeah, like, like, this isn't the real game. Like, this is a fucked up version of the game. That's not the real game. See, the same I way I feel also, about online play, it's not you right the same. Now, that doing a DP on an arcade machi machine hits differently than doing a DP at a console machine, no matter what controller you have, unless you have a giant 50-pound cabinet. Like, honestly, when I do uppercuts on fucking Super Turbo, and I smash that controller, and the console doesn't go anywhere, that shit hits differently. And when you're playing next to somebody <laughs> right there, and you're rubbing elbows with each other, that shit hits differently. But again, that's just the internal bias that I have with the yeah. environment that I grew up in. That's just all it comes down to, right? So that's why I, that's how I feel about the online versus offline kind of thing so i want to smell my opponent james i want to be right there <laughs> and we're not talking about one of those big cabs you know where you had all the nice room no i want to i want those little tiny ones that we used to have on the stand-up machines <laughs> the elbows battling that was the look best. man those 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 side-by-side -side cabinets those are ableist right fat guys don't fit on those cabinets and i prefer head-to-head -head because of it okay the thing is, i want my own arcade I mean, you're right, but also nobody really fit on those cabinets. I'm not I, sure I mean, who they were ever. <laughs> because I, I never, true. I never had an experience of playing on one of those close stand-up cabs where we weren't, where one of us wasn't like swung out way to the side yeah. and had to play on kind of like sideways position or like you know we were rubbing elbows. Never had that experience. So. They designed them for like seven-year-old kids. They're like, oh, kids yeah. will play video games. They're, they're right. tiny. This is fine. Yeah. And, and so anyway, look, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed that period of time. I was one of the people who, at first, didn't play on console. Sure, I mean, I, part of it was I didn't want to buy a stick. I didn't want to make a stick. Is really what it was at the time. Uh, I didn't play games that I felt had the same kind of experience at home. But other people who I knew were. So when I was going to college, 
and living in LA, uh, I just was lucky enough to have two really good, well, multiple really good arcades near where I was. I never had to worry about that. When I then went to law school in DC, there were no arcades left by that point in DC. And so all the time I got to play was just console. And I felt it was stupid at first. I remember that. I remember thinking that I can't believe these people are playing on console. This is a joke. And as I was playing with them, I realized these are good players. Some of these folks are actually <laughs> super legit. And sure, their version of Third Strike is like a little bit different than the one that I'm used to playing on, but like it's basically the same thing. And then I would go home and I'd play at uh, Family Fun again, and I would actually be better because the Third Strike that was in the arcades was slightly slower than the one we were playing on on consoles. So <laughs> yeah, my arm was part. actually a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. And yeah, and I mean, let's face it. Can we really say players like Punk and Smug weren't born and raised online? And they're like, dude, it's it, it's too. I mean, this is not even like a 2020 conversation. Right. This is like a Wolf Throne burst onto the scene in like 2010. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> I think like online play is totally legit. I just don't think it's right. the same as offline. That's all I'm saying. It's not the same. It's not. Yeah, and well, I, I just mean, think that. And what's interesting too is because you know you talked about what the developers' intention were is, and some of the developers are trying to do that now, right? Introducing one frame of input lag on offline. Zynax, Zynax said in the chat that they did that for Ki. So what's that? If the game Zynax said in the chat that they did do that for Ki, yeah. that they did apply some stuff. But we're over time. We can go on to the next topic. Okay. okay. So, I thought that the one that was going to win was one that didn't end up winning, and so I think we probably have the wrong thing written down here. <laughs> Thanks, David. Shoutouts to me. <laughs> Three is the winner, is the second place winner. Okay. Should the FGC be concerned about bringing up new tournament organizers in addition to already established groups? Do new TOs face a barrier to entry, and if so, is that unnecessary or helpful quality control? Uh, I think that anybody who has been part of the FGC for a long time now knows damn well that we do need to have quality control on TOs that make real big promises out of nowhere. Now, if you're just like a dude who's like, I want to run my local, whatever. Nobody's going to, you know, think twice about it. Like, sure, man, bring in the consoles and run the it's tournament. Great. We're happy to have you. Yeah, yeah. If somebody but does that, that's if you're like a John Nelson and you're like, I have a hundred million dollars in prize pot and we're going to run this in Trump Tower, Paris and all these like crazy promises. And we've seen it too many times where these people come in and think they can essentially, you know, run us over and make a quick buck on the fighting game community and uh, don't live up to their promises. So anybody who's been around for a while now is going to be concerned when things like that happen. So I don't think it's a, a terrible thing to vet some of these guys and see if they're legit. Um, but I don't, I, I don't really think it's... Uh, I don't think they necessarily have this big barrier of entry to start running tournaments. Um, I mean, most of the people locally who run tournaments just decide one day, hey, I'm going to start running tournaments. And they find a venue and they invite people on Facebook and Twitter and whatever, and that's how it goes. I avidly agree with you. Yeah, that's that's been my experience. All the people I know who have wanted to become TOs have been people who have already been playing fighting games for a while. I don't know anybody other than people who were just hucksters who decided to go from not playing to like running tournaments, right? Like almost everybody, especially all the real established tournament organizers have been people who have gone through the process of player sometimes have continued to be a player 
and then also, okay, here's I would rather also focus on tournament organizing and it's just there's the process that people have gone through. I think that process like kind of is a vetting process in a way, and I think that's okay. So I, I would rather trust somebody who I've seen around for a long time and haven't heard shady stuff about. Right? That's sure. I would rather trust somebody in that kind of position than somebody who I haven't heard of before or somebody who's just real been she's just been real outside of things and then is coming in promising a lot for sure i would rather believe somebody i would be more likely to believe somebody who uh has been around who then promises right. big stuff. Yeah. so i think that's okay like i'm i'm okay with that process i'm not necessarily opposed to somebody coming from outside of the fgc even or from um somebody who hasn't been a player beforehand just turning themselves into to i'm not like inherently opposed to that i just would need to see it to believe it yeah so i wouldn't i wouldn't start out by like betting that somebody is going to run a great tournament or that they're going to pay out everything that they promised to pay out. i wouldn't start out that way but if they come in and they do that and then they run another one great i'll be there <laughs> you know I'll, I'll support you at that point I just right, wouldn't yeah. start out by like expecting it to work, and that seems uh, pretty reasonable to me. I feel like I feel like we're pretty good at that now because of our history. We've had it happen way yeah. too many times. I mean, someone mentioned them in chat. Avid, we were just like, right. <laughs> well, well, actually, actually, I was going to mention that. I want to correct people right now about Avid. Oh, people a don't know the story behind that at all. Nobody knows. I know. You guys don't know. Secondly, Avid actually ran. You don't know either. I don't think, Dave. You might. You, but I don't think you do. Um, Avid ran one tournament, one tournament, and you know what that tournament was? Yeah, Combo Breaker, Combo and it breaker. was it was fucking incredible. So Avid, in my eyes, has a fantastic track record because <laughs> they helped Combo Breaker happen one year, and then the company got sold, and they didn't do anything beyond that. But Avid didn't actually do anything bad to the FTC. People no. just know that they popped up, said, here's money, and then disappeared. Yeah. But, I mean, we were also Which rightfully is... skeptical about the Prince Panther situation, oh, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, of, of course, we should always be skeptical. We're a little bit better about that now. But, you know, if you want to build up a tournament, it's not going to be any different than if you're trying to build up a weekly. It's not going to be any different than trying to be a good player. It's just consistency, 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 you know. It's the way a lot of things work. You don't get promoted to the higher position until you've done the work of the higher position for a year or two already. <laughs> you know, right. you just you have to prove yourself first. And, you know, we're getting pretty good at that at this point. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're, with all the things that have gone down, with all the call-outs about all the misconduct in our community and everything like that, like I said, people are always ask me, like, when, how long do you think it'll take we go back to normal? And, I, and my answer is always, I don't want to go back to normal. I want to go back to better. And I think we're yeah. trying to do that right now. So uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. So this you question... Probably, you corrected me in the chat real quick. You said Avid also supported NCR. I didn't know that. So I guess they're two for two, and then they disappeared. Good, good for Avid. So this question was proposed to us by uh, Doc Fugu. And... He posts in the tweet below that background, there is an upcoming Japanese COVID charity tournament that does a lot right. Officially Capcom licensed, Jesu, 
the Japanese esports union, uh, has a theme song, Dogra and Sako as guests. So that's a lot of good stuff. But 10 days before the deadline, had three teams signed up when they expected 128. Oof. <laughs> that's, that's rough. This, I mean, this might not be a great time to do that. I mean, yeah. this is... I understand that Japan has been not as disastrously terrible about COVID as our country has been, but that still doesn't sound like a fantastic idea. I don't know. Look, In any case, yeah, maybe it's an advertising issue, or maybe it's just people who, like I was saying earlier, like they want to see like what your second try is. The Japanese FGC is pretty different in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to tournaments and who has run tournaments and where the money and backing has come from that stuff. Hasn't really been as grassroots historically as it has been in many other parts of the world. So I, I don't know that it's the same experience necessarily. So just unless unless you're like DreamHack or ML, you know ESL that has all this. Well, I guess they're the same thing now. You know that have all this money and stuff like that. Just like and nobody's heard of you. Like at least DreamHack and ESL have a reputation now. They run big events and stuff like that. But don't try to start so big if you come out of nowhere. That's one of the hardest things is that all these companies come in and are like, we're going to be the biggest thing humanly possible and we're going to be amazing. Like, you know, I mean, one of the reasons why Combo Breaker is so good is because Rick's like, I'm going to make a tournament that people are going to enjoy. I'm going to try to make sure it's safe for people. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to put a lot of cool things in there. I'm going to have a 24-hour arcade. It's going to be cool. I hope people like it. <laughs> like, just learn from that, man. Just organic growth. Organic growth. Esports is a giant cesspool of non-organic growth. And it's what is going to kill esports in the end. We need freaking market correction in esports. Just grow organically. Stop going the venture capitalist route and just do things like slow and steady wins the race, dude. Like if you want to be that T.O. that's going to have the biggest thing ever, you know, freaking get in line, right? And just take your time and do your do your shit. That's it. That's it. Do your thing or and build the reputation. Alternatively, James, be a venture capitalist. Hire Ultra Chen TV to do your commentary at a premium rate. We promise all three of us will deliver very high-level commentary and hosting abilities. So be that venture capitalist. Throw lots of money at us before you go bankrupt because you're going to lose all your money for sure. <laughs> but give us some of that money in, in the process, please. Yeah, in cash, up front, 50% minimum. <laughs> please. Uh, so Doc Pugu says that this is an online tournament after all, so it's not offline. Okay. And also that it's up That's... to 20 teams now rather than three, but still, they're well, looking that, for that, that makes me question how they advertise it then because if it's an online tournament... Street Fighter V is a very popular game in Japan. It's weird to me that nobody signed up if it's online. Well, they said they, dr they dropped the 600 yen entry fee or something like that, and then, the, then a bunch of teams showed up. So I guess there was an entry fee, and in Japan... Oh, $60 and 6,000 yen, sorry. But the thing is so about it is Japan... A person, right? It's a 3v3. Japan doesn't yeah. have entry fees, so that's probably something that they... People aren't used to over there, right? That's that's a risky well, so thing to do. In it's there. a, it's a donation. It's not, it's not an entry fee oh. that you then get paid out in the 
prize pool from. So they were trying to force people big. to pay a minimum sixty dollar donation. Is what you're saying? Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like. Mm, it. Yeah, I don't like that either. Then <laughs> I think that's whack. I wouldn't have entered either. I mean, like, if you re if you want to require a donation, like that's fine, but don't make it like sixty bucks or a hundred dollars or even one dollar. Just if you donate any money, you can enter the tournament. Cool. That's that wow. seems that seems way better Dude, to me. All you and it was it's tax deductible if you do that. So yeah, as Fugu says in the chat, they did lots of paperwork to make that happen. So they it sounds like they're trying to like yeah. make it on the up and up, but. I just, Look, you know, don't expect a lot of your first time, like you guys are saying. As a person yeah. who has, you know, seen a lot of online players, I mean, mobile game players, gotcha game players do this, and as a person who has run a couple of Match Arena events already, if you just set it up that with the donation stuff, like, the whales will cover a lot of other people. Like, that's, like, yep. I don't know why that's you need to force idea. people with $60, right? Someone's just yeah, going to come in baller status and be like, here you go. You know, <laughs> that's the word. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% sure someone would, you know, be like, here's 500 bucks because I want COVID to go away, you know? Yep. Mm -hmm. And and also a bonus, I get to play Street Fighter for the weekend or whatever, yep. you know? Yeah, yeah for sure, that's whatever, man. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like they did that. I'm glad they changed it. I hope that they learn their, from their ways and continue to run events in the future because it sounds like they probably kind of have an idea of what they want to do and they know what they're doing. They just made a silly mistake with that minimum donation but again i know that the history of tournament organizing in japan at least when it comes to really big events is less grassroots it's been yeah. it's been more the uh, corporatized yeah historically and that's not always the case of course but my understanding of it is it is a lot of the case and that's just a really different experience so in most of the rest of the fgc including in North America, we're basically grassroots, and it's more the exception to have something that's more of a fancy production. So for us, we are we have this kind of vetting of that you've gone through the community. Most tournament organizers have gone through the community, and the few that don't, the few that sort of just come in, we like don't really super trust it at the start, even if they don't specifically screw people over, like in the Avid situation. Right. We still don't view them positively until, like, they've been around for a while. And then, okay, cool, I guess, you know, yeah, cool, you can do it. I ended up trusting ESL, right? I thought they were going to be a bunch of hucksters <laughs> at the start. It turned out not Dude, to be I, I was the same way with Red Bull. I was, Red you Bull, can look exactly. at my tweets. You can look at my tweets, me being pissed off that Red Bull is involved. Exactly. And they exactly. ended up doing it right, so. For sure. So it's definitely, definitely can happen, and that's more of the experience. But I don't know that that's really a great lens to view the Japanese experience through, because I... My understanding is that it's different. Yeah, that's a good call. It's a good call. It's a very different kind of situation. All right. Well, anything else? On to the say next about thing. Okay. No way, man. Bring us on to the next thing. Let's do it. Let's talk about other new. Let's talk about this Street Fighter Five netcode patch. There was one. Tell me about it. Did you hear about it? Okay, I'll tell what? you about it. I'll tell you about it. Tuboware, if that is All your right. real name. It's this netcode update came along with the patch that added the UIU and Nasser costumes, which I think are pretty sharp. They it, are pretty it's cool. basically trying to prevent pausing the game while attempting to sync. Matches are now synced from the beginning of round call to minimize early lag. They reduce processing loads during battles. So while you're spectating, there's less of that like match start 
it's desynced and then you like have the very fast speed up fast forward to yeah. catch up with things which is good i'm really glad that that's not there as much and I, you know i don't think that it's intended to like make everybody's experience better i think it's more on the margins of situations let's improve it a little bit here and there is your neck okay over there and i'm just nodding my way through all this that you're explaining <laughs> because great. it's just it's just a whole bunch of gobbledygook because nothing changed with that patch well okay, nothing I don't, changed I, with that patch man i don't know that that's true so my experience has been the same i've been playing online it feels i don't notice any difference i've been playing against people three bars and above just to test and typically i would only do five bars but i've just been experiencing just to see and it's exactly the same as before five bars is still not super dependable uh, three bars are sometimes okay, which they've been before. Sometimes they were okay before. Sometimes they suck. And it just feels like, to me, it's the same. But I also know people who have had substantially better experiences. And I also know people who have had substantially worse experiences. And maybe those are all just real anecdotal. They're obviously all anecdotal. All we have access to is our own brief periods of playtime. Maybe the people who have had great experiences have just happened to get matched up against people who they have good connections with. That could be. Maybe it would have worked out before. Maybe the people who have had bad experiences have just gotten matched up against people who they would have had bad connections with anyway. Like, it's just... None of us, I think, really has a great lens to say that this is working or not. I would love to know more. I would love to, like, hear from Capcom about, like, how they think it's going. But for me personally so far, I don't really notice a big difference. With the exception that I do notice that I don't have as much of that weird startup super fast forward okay. effect uh, as i did before i mean some people are saying that you know like vi is saying that two bars worked for him and everything like that so yeah i haven't had a chance to play it i need to test it out myself to see if my experiences are better the real question to me is does this mean they're gonna keep trying to fix the net code because uh you know if they are continuing to try to make improvements as they keep going, if it is something that's going to focus on, it would make me enjoy the game, you know, all to more. I mean, all the more, you know, and I would really kind of uh, appreciate that kind of fix. So, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope they're going to continue. I mean, as long as they're working on this game that, in my eyes, they very clearly didn't plan on continuing working on, but they are now because of circumstances with covid i would i'm assuming i have no inside information this is what i'm assuming i i hope that they do continue to fix the netcode because that's been one of the biggest points of contention for players since 2016 so i i, I do i do hope that they continue fixing it i do know that vi alex has said on twitter repeatedly and, and even in chat now that uh, he thinks this patch made a really big difference at least for his own that's experience great. so yeah yeah i i i i hope all jokes aside, I hope that the patches are making a difference and the online totally. play does get better. Yeah. Because even after Street Fighter Six comes out, there's still going to be Street Fighter Five fans out there, yeah. assuming the Capcom keeps the server all online, that are going to want to play the game still. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I hope that it, it does make a difference and they're doing good work out there and, and it gets better. For sure. I definitely hear that. I mean, even before this patch, sometimes, like, I played against Mono. Mono's in Puerto Rico. I'm in California. That's super far. And our connection actually wasn't that bad, even before this. We haven't played since then, but, like, the point is that even before this, sometimes far connections, sometimes two and three bar connections for me have been okay. Sometimes, more often than not, they haven't been. And that's still how it's been my experience so far. But anyway, I we'll see how it goes. This. There was one patch that actually made the netcode better. Yeah. And was made by a guy in his basement over a few days time 
and sure he was, was not connected to Capcom, and he showed that the netcode can get better, so hopefully Capcom does what All he right. Anyways. Alright, let's talk about the next thing. Cogliostro's out in Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. I haven't seen anybody play this character until one of our friends was talking about it with us, and this character looks sick. IMO. Like, the options that she has are very Conra-y, and I was, I don't know, maybe surprised a little bit. I haven't been paying very close attention to this game, but the, yeah, she has dust, right? Like, the little dust mite that travels across the screen. Basically, she had, well, I guess it just stays still, but, like, she has that. She has ground spike as well, sand spike as well. Very, yeah, like, I mean, unique, interesting option. Well, Conra, maybe not unique. But yeah, I was going to say, she looks like Conra. Yeah, in the context of this game, she's pretty unique, and that looks really cool to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I've, talked yeah, oh, to, I've talked to somebody who's labbed her, Olaf has labbed her a bunch of times, and he's obsessed with trap characters and stuff like that, but uh, this character's going to make you to learn to use the guard button, for sure, because oh, Jump yeah. C is like a teleport or something like that, and so, like, she's just teleporting and setting traps everywhere. But what it sounds like is kind of similar to how Belial came out when the characters came out. They nerfed everybody, kind of took away a lot of their fun stuff. And then Belial came in and was like, hey, I'm still crazy. And it seems like uh, Cagliostro is a little bit that way. But what I do like is the, that it seems like, you know, Arxis is willing to put in crazy characters. They just didn't want to do so right away. So, you know, when the game first came out, most of the yeah. characters were pretty straightforward. There was obviously interesting characters like Matera and Loane and stuff like that. But now it feels like they're really getting to start to flex their muscle because one, you know, that maybe that was the plan, start a little more grounded and then now we can get crazier. And two, they know their own game a little bit better. So I think they know what they can get away with just like the Street Fighter V deck. And so, honestly, like I like this. I like what I'm seeing that they're trying to go crazier and crazier, you know, with with their potential character designs. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I mean, fighting game companies seem to have been doing this for a while now, right? Like the base rosters have seemed to have been even. I can think back all the way to like Ki Season One, where the base roster is like, oh, all these characters outside of like maybe one or two. Are real basic. Yep. Very, very standard mm -hmm. characters. Street Fighter Five was that way. Mm -hmm. yep. Um Dragon Ball Fighters yep. was that way. But as the DLC comes out, they get way, way, way more wild, you know? So I think that's just kind of a trend with fighting games now. They they want to play it more safe with the base roster. Um But yeah, I, I hope I hope they continue to do that with Grand Blue and make all these real wild character choices and, and designs because that's the stuff that makes fighting games fun. And in particular, for this patch of Grand Blue, I really felt like they made the cast very boring. Like, just in general. Yeah. So seeing Belial and, and Kagliosho being real wild and strong gives me hope that the other characters are gonna... I don't want to say even get buffed, get turned back to what they used Reverted. to be and get some options back, <laughs> because... Man, if those characters got to fight against these new ones, that'd be real cool! Like, I'd really want to play that game! But, uh, yeah, right now I'm not happy with uh, the current patch. So it does give me hope seeing Cagliostro and, and Billy Belial, whatever you want to call him, being real out there compared to the rest of the cast. Yeah, yeah man. All right. This is cool news. So Phantom Breaker Omnia is coming to worldwide release from publisher Rocket Panda Games. 
This game was released in Japan in 2011. It was supposed to release in North America in 2012, but then their original publisher canceled that, so it never huh. did. And now it's going to happen. Huh. Um, I've never seen the game before. I, this is the, literally when I read the tweets that were being tweeted around. This was the first time I'd ever heard of it. I've never heard uh, of it, yeah. Yeah. And I looked it up, and it, it looked pretty cool. Uh, it's going to have well-known English language voice actors in the dub, which is kind of cool. They're putting some cash towards that. Uh, two brand new characters as well. And yeah, it'll be available more broadly. Cool. It will not have rollback netcode. Damn. Uh, they, had, they said that on Twitter. <laughs> they specifically said it will not be rollback. Yeah, I mean, maybe not in that tone, but yeah, they said that. Where did, no, just... where did James go? I just looked over to the screen and he's... Oh, well, if you just look to your left, you'll see that he's over... Yeah, there he is, oh, right behind yeah, oh, Sorry. Oof, I he's lost right... him for a second. There he is. <laughs> sorry. Anyway, this is cool. I mean, bummer that it's not going to have as good of online play as it could have. I don't know the circumstances for that. The tweets that I saw about it were just basically like, yeah, we looked into it and we can't do it. Okay. But... Anyway, we'll see. Cool. And then let's talk about this in more community news. Tasty Steve scholarship. This is did you hear about this? this is the I did hear about it. This it's is the really coolest cool. thing ever, dude. It, Seriously. It's so cool, honestly. So Tasty Steve is joining forces with uh, Yellow Brick and FIT, which is the Fashion Institute of Technology, to do a scholarship for people who are uh, trying to get into video game design. Super cool. My understanding is that this is like Yellow Brick sponsoring people to go to FIT. I tried to look into this and it wasn't super clear to me, but that is the best that I could get out of it. Yeah. Uh, let me know if that's not correct. Awesome. I think this is so so cool. Congrats to Steve on this great venture, and yeah, I think he's a great spokesperson for this kind of thing as well. Yeah, I, I hope that the information becomes easier to come across because yeah I, I couldn't find anything super deep on it either but it sounded really yeah. cool and from what i know yellow bricks like a legit thing so i yeah. doubt that it's like a you know <laughs> i doubt it's a john nelson situation no no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm so yeah, yeah I, I just hope that they make it more clear what it what it's all about yeah. right i'm just i'm just super happy for tasty steve you know i mean what a, what a great guy and you know he's you know he's one of those people that when he wants to give back to the community like that, like that's that's legit. He wants to give back to the community like that. You know, he he the, the, his history, his background, where he's come from, and how far he's gotten and stuff like that. It, especially because he had that little highlight video, and you could see like he was on TV and doing all these cool things yeah. and stuff. And it's just, you know, really happy for everything that's happened for Tasty Steve for Mr. Steve Scott because. Uh, He's just one of those guys that you just feel like, you know, deserves all the all the great things and to, because you know he will give back like the way that he's doing. So I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Steve is one of my favorite people on earth, so no also, no better person to represent this. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Mm -hmm. But also when Steve tweeted about it and he got Yellow Brick's Twitter handle wrong, I was just like, This is also the most Steve thing ever. The most Steve tweet ever. I was just, I cracked up at that for a couple of minutes. Yep. <laughs> oh, no. It's like, a, it's, it's like a great, It's he's doing a great thing. The video's awesome. He killed that. Knocked it out of the park. 
the idea of it is fantastic, and also he screwed that part up, which is very Steve as well. Yep. I, just, I thought it was yeah, that was the most tasty Steve thing ever. I thought it was perfect. Uh, and if you read the link on Yellow Brick, they call him Tasty Steve with air quote. Well, not with air quotes, with uh, quotations every time, which I think is a blast as well. <laughs> Tasty, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, all right. And then yeah. the last thing I wanted to talk about community-wise, which we didn't have enough room to put up here, is that Button Mash is closed, which is a big bummer to me. Button Mash is a local no. restaurant barcade. I didn't hear in about this. Los Angeles. Yep. And it was started by a member of the FGC, Gabe, and his business, business partners. Yeah, Pigorath. And he no. and his business partners have had to close it down. This is maybe not permanent. They may be coming back next year. He said that they, well, in the story that I read about it, they said that they're hoping to come back next year. Oh. But we'll see how it goes. It just hasn't, like many restaurants, right, just haven't been able to keep it going. Oh. So they've done, they've been doing uh, outdoor service. They've been doing takeout orders and stuff like that, but that's just not enough. And a lot of the dude, people who nobody goes to mash buttons to get food, you know? Dude, you no, I mean honestly, no. their food is super good. They have honestly that's, super super good food. Even that is them, like you don't think about that first. That it, that it is a big draw for them, but but certainly, yeah, a lot of the clientele are people who went there to play the video games, and without that, sure, a big part of their draw is not there. But yeah, I mean, restaurants all over the country and LA is no exception have been closing down because it's just really hard to keep going at uh, you know the rates of people going to eat out these days. Not even just eat out, but takeout. I was just yeah. talking about how awesome their food is. To yeah, it just, really is good. And the, and just how amazing of a place that is. That was a place that me and you know me and my friends would have a christmas gathering and we would go to button mash and that's where we played four man warlords all the time you know and it was i was the only person that ever beat dragon slayer at button mash you know and it's just a oh man that place is that place is awesome and like i said their food was ridiculous i mean the story of their food was that uh there was a group out there called starry kitchen that sold food from their apartment and that was illegal, and so they got shut down. And so uh, Gabe actually hit them up to make their menu. And uh, huh. the food was... I mean, they were super popular and super famous when they were doing the, the thing from their home. But, like, that... I mean, their food was... you More people went to Button Mash, I think, for the food and the bar than they did for the games. Like, honestly, it was more known for the bar and the food there than I think the games were. So... It was a it was a really really great restaurant and God I hope he can make it back I mean if there's a way we can like go fund me or something I don't know I don't know I mean look it's uh, as people are saying in the chat a lot more stuff's gonna go down this is not the end of things this is the next you know minimum half year in the U S oh, yeah. we're a ways off it would have been nice yeah. if you know the giant corporations out there didn't take all of the small business funds out there that was supposed to go to small businesses there just hasn't been enough it's just it's uh, the problem obviously the government's just dramatically awful at how it's responded so yeah completely drop the ball all right that's all i got for community related stuff <sighs> to end on a bummer uh as far as tournament results go as we've said in the past, we're keeping this part to a minimum these days. 
Um, this is not the focus of the show that it once was. But the CPT Online Central America 2 happened, and Mena RD won it. So Mena RD qualifies for Capcom Cup, which is great. I'm really happy that he's back. He's super deserving. And he played how many different characters? Like five different characters. Yeah, Abigail, Sakura, Mika, Birdie, and Seth Jesus. in winning this thing. So he's put in a lot of time with a lot of different characters. He looked good, man. He looked real strong. So the two qualifiers from the Central America slash Caribbean region are both Dominican players because Cabo won the first one. That country's pretty good at things. They're all right. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. I really liked, uh, to move on, I really liked East Coast Throwdown this weekend. They did a great job. It was really fun. It was not a traditional big tournament, but it was a series of uh, invitationals and then show matches. So the Invitationals, Street Fighter V was won by Shine. Second place was Hoji. And in DBFZ, first place was Nitro. Second place was a mini Assassin. And then they also had Tekken in cooperation with Core A Gaming, where Dotoring beat Sodom, Mulgold beat CBM, and John Ding beat, CD, beat JDCR, which was super close. Uh, very trash talk heavy. <laughs> so that was, that was a lot of fun. And they got uh, Yipes and... Um, Chris Matrix to do commentary for DBFZ, which was Aww. definitely the right choice. It was a lot of fun to listen to. And they got, for Street Fighter V, Yipes and Chris Matrix for commentary, which was definitely not the right choice. And <laughs> no? <laughs> I mean, they're just hilarious guys. Like, they're both very funny. And, and uh, Yipes, Yipes plays the game. Like, he definitely knows it. But Chris obviously thinks it sucks uh so he's you know anyway oh no uh, okay okay but they're, they're really funny so just like hanging out and listening to them right, was great okay, anyway okay. <laughs> they also had super sick merchandise i thought i don't know if any of you saw that but dude i yeah, want I, one of those pink hoodies so bad the dude. pink hoodie was so sick That's right so cool and like joe said like he wants to get a picture with everybody and the pink hoodies like in one room that'd be so cool hopefully one day yeah <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was really good. I liked that a lot. So anyway, I mean, they, they also... Oh, I forgot to mention this. Um, they had Chris do a uh, like a little promo. They actually had a, a really funny series of promos. They had Yipes and Chris Matrix like watching Roadrunner Records music videos <laughs> and basically doing a Beavis and Butthead style. Like, yeah, it was Beavis and Butthead? It was literally Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, so yeah. Funny. It was super funny. They were, they were super funny to that's watch. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that was great. And they also had... A Chris Matrix skit where he's teaching you how to do an infinite in Marvel 2. And <laughs> it was it was genius. I really recommend everybody checking it out. They have it up on YouTube. Uh, I'll put it in the I'll just put it in the chat now, I okay. guess. But yeah, it was really funny. Um that's gonna be more work than I think I realized, so anyway, you should really watch it. Look it up on YouTube. I'll put it in the YouTube that we have okay. uploaded for this. There you go. For the other stuff, um, the DBFC National Championships are going on. There's a round robin happening. This is just week one. Check that out. Uh, Arc Revo happened. Again, Japan and also U.S. South and Southeast. I watched the BB tag, U.S. South and Southeast, and Jan was putting in major work with Wald Tager, which was a blast for me. That was really fun to watch. Yeah, I'm uh, sure it was very footsie heavy. Foot? What did you call it? Foot. I'm sure it's very footsie heavy. I I'm not sure what that word means in a BB tag context. What what was yeah, the word? Exactly. Footsie heavy. You, you oh, talked about grapplers. 
They're the true the true footsie characters, right? I've never said that about Iron Tiger, for sure. I, I don't <laughs> want to... Nope, you said grapplers are the true footsie character. Other characters, yeah. Iron Tiger, definitely not. But Jan's match versus Razo, where Razo was doing Naoto and Merkava. You know, uh, Naoto from uh, Persona, when she, like, tags you with a certain super, the next time she does a super, it's an auto-kill. Yeah. And so even though Wald and Tiger both have, like, a super ton of life, you can kill them in two hits with this team. Sure. So it was a really fun little counter match, and Jan ended up winning it anyway. Really good match. Yeah, they're definitely not um, grapplers in that game. <laughs> Those are grapplers. Oh, they're, they're grapplers. Oh, yeah. Those are grapplers. They're big jerks. They're big grappler jerks, for sure. They're just not... They're not playing footsies, but yeah, I mean, that's... It's like a... It's like a zanier Marvel. That's why I love it. Right. It's not really the same kind of thing. Uh, yep. There you go. We had a show you can scrimmage. It was won by Drillmaster, which was nice work. Which is largely with Ryu as well, so... With Ryu. Yeah. That was fun. Cool. Uh, I also wanted to mention, as far as upcoming stuff, but kind of stuff that happened this past weekend. So, there's a an event coming up for the Killer Instinct community. The oh, DMC is this coming up? Yeah, so, Killer Instinct. Hang on, the, if this is coming up, I just want to mention the 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 Corey events thing as well. This past okay, weekend, sure. they did a Soul Caliber event uh, where they invited basically ten of the best Soul Caliber players in Korea. Previous to that, they had a first to ten between two of the players, and uh, I actually got to restream that and talk with the players over there, and I'm hoping to work with them a lot more. But uh, the Core events, uh, Gerald and, uh, Gerald helped put this on at their place. Uh, the players were the Kura, who is basically might be considered the best player in Korea, and he's like uses Killix, so he's my hero, but Akeopo destroyed everybody. There was two phases, it was round robin and then the top eight, uh, but Akeopo destroyed everybody and got top place. Uh, Ameka, Bluff, Flash God, Rurika, Achong, Weasel, Mina, Bro, and Spire Killick were all there in that tournament, but it was really cool. I got to watch a little bit of that and listen to uh, Gerald and uh, Burnout Fighter do some commentary. I think that was really cool. So just wanted to give shout outs to uh, Gerald and the Corey events, and also the the Soul Caliber community as well. So, cool, man. What I was going to bring up, uh, kind of did happen this past weekend, but there's more to come. So this is the DMC Killer Instinct three v three Battle of the Rising Stars climax, and this is a as it says three v three event, and established Killer Instinct players are the team captains. They then draft. Three players who are considered rising stars, people on the come up in the Killer Instinct community. And then those three players will have team battles versus other teams. The like pro quote unquote KI players aren't gonna actually be playing, they're just the coach. They're the coach of these teams. So yeah. these team coaches drafted players, each of them three, like I said. And some of the players include like one team is uh, Chris G, Jabali, and Balls Deep. Uh, so there's a player's name. That's Amenti's team. And then base got Coach Steve, The Realist John, Dragon Blade Ice, uh, Duel got Beyond Toxin, Code Complete, Cherries, etc. And Valorax got Silmerian, Marble Dan, and Ultra David uh, on his team. What a terrible team. <laughs> Dang. At least one third of the team. Okay, Thanks, okay, Tubbo okay. Air. 
So, so I'm is... going to be playing in this, I, and and this is a uh, an event that will take place on Saturday, November 21st. So we have a week to practice. So I'll be playing with those guys on my team. It's really good to have Valorax as the guy whose team I'm on because he plays my character Rom among others. Uh, so that's going to be really helpful for me, and we'll see how it goes. It's going to be fun, regardless. That's actually cool. So you're playing in a KI event this coming week. I'm actually going to be well, commentating no, a KI 21st. event this coming week yeah. as well. So I'll be commentating a KI event on Thursday. Uh, oh, sick. Are you doing something with KI at all this week, uh, Brandon? Just <laughs> just curious, that's all. It's <laughs> out of here. Again, uh, this, this thing is actually November 21st, not this Oh, not this, not week. this week. Okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. So we have a month to practice. <laughs> also, just later. Wow, Jasmine took his seat even? I can't believe yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Jasmine's doing She straight up <laughs> took his seat. He's out of here for for good. You can't come back anymore, Brock. It's um, listen, now, man. Jasmine. I'm on the toilet right now. But also you could have been before, I to say. Also wanted to mention that tomorrow uh is gonna be my Matcharino Cup qualifier for Super Turbo. Uh Matcharino Cup is taking place on October thirtieth and there's a bunch of qualifier events. Uh, Spooky's run one already. Uh, actually, let me pull up the Discord. I can tell you uh, who's in it so far, who's all qualified so far. Um, let me get here the Maturino Cup over here. So, so far, out of everybody that's uh, been in here, Ronan Rumble, they qualify, the qualifiers were We're Parting, Super V, Blazed Donuts, and Paper Cut. Um... Let me see which other ones. Team Spooky's qualifier was Hokuto, Damdai, Silent Scope, and Vodka Gobalski. And then uh, low kick qualifiers were Mindarg, uh, Yito 2K, Scuzz Bucket, and H0. There's one that's going on today being run by Riz1 that's going on right now. Uh, and then I'll be running one tomorrow. It's all usually done through uh, Fightcade. Two. We're all doing it through Fight K2. So I'll be streaming that tomorrow. That starts at 4 p.m. That'll be on twitch.tv slash jchenzor. Gotta do my shameless plug. Uh, but that will be taking place tomorrow. So there you go. Cool. cool. Uh, hey, Tubboy, did you crush Jasmine? Is she okay? Uh, I, I think she's alright. She should be. Okay, yeah. okay good. Oh, no, she, no, already, no. she already had the cone of shame on, so I don't want things <laughs> yeah, to get worse. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't want you to be worse. <laughs> yeah, That's all I got. Oh, also this weekend is CPT Online Asia East number two. Yep. And I'm commentating that. You are? No, I'm not. Tubbowear, uh, a.k.a. James Chen. Yeah, I'm commentating <laughs> that. <laughs> Tubbowear, James Chen, same, same thing. Right, we're going to combine ourselves, right? So I'm just saying. Speaking of number two, I got to skedaddle real shortly here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Would well, you, you I guess to... that's the show then. I'm going to switch ourselves hey. to topic number two over here so that, you know, we're, what what about topic number two? Topic. Thanks, James. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Is that it then? Are we done? I think that's I'm the show. Here. Yeah, I think that's done. Heard him. Ooh, that's quiet. Only 10 more seconds, David. You can handle it. You can do it. It's already been 20 minutes. You can handle it.
What's the button to switch to the title screen again? I gotta, where's that button again? So that we're not on camera anymore? Gotta figure out the right button. Uh, uh, oh, there we go. Okay. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Later, David. <laughs>